0: I don't see how people can watch rogue one and think it's not the best star wars movie to come out of the D- disney era it, to me it's a it's a no-brainer it's like there's no comparison we have hope rebellions are built on hope
1: jesse aka the bizzle oh the bizzle thank you (laughs) the bizzle thank you the bizzle yeah the bizzle Alright, ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzlecast, welcome to a very, very special Bizzlecast. If you are joining us tonight, not only do I have a brand new and super awesome guest for you guys, but this man, along with his ragtag band of nerd friends and podcasters, are directly responsible for influencing me to do the Bizzlecast in the first place over three years ago. That man is named Paul Herman, aka P Thug. He is here tonight. We have so much to talk about in the star wars marvel comic books and nerd universe but before we get started paul i'm really happy we made this happen honestly thank you for being on i'm really excited to have you here buddy hey jesse man thanks a lot i appreciate you you're putting up with me for
0: over the last couple years and uh you know it's just i really appreciate and humbled by your your words and you know it's it's a, it's awesome to see other people like you know you know love to do what, what we do and and do it because we they listen to us that's a incredibly humbling thing because at least for me, I'm not very good. So you know the fact that people see that is, and and will want to do what I do. That's that's awesome because anyone can do what I do. So do it, please.
1: Well, they maybe <laughs> could do what you do, but not quite how you do it, which is the key with podcasting. Maybe. You don't have to be, and again, this is me too. You don't have to be the smartest or worst articulate. You just have to be funny and interesting and engaged. I think, but we're, we'll get into that. Yeah.
0: I don't think I'm any of those things but that's you know so but we'll see we'll see
1: yeah 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 I'll be honest I just picked you randomly out of a hat basically that was that was pretty much
0: you would, I mean, it's probably i's pro, it's pretty much my talent level, so you know, I understand.
1: All right, guys. So here's what's going to happen. So Paul, like me, is both a giant Star Wars and Marvel guy. We're going to focus a little bit more on the Star Wars, uh, especially with Han Solo coming up, and just um, well for reasons that we've made clear. Obviously, if you follow my podcast, you know I do mostly uh, Star Wars these days when it comes to nerd culture coverage. I do love the Marvel stuff. The recent movies have been spectacular. We will get to that, Paul. I wanted you to talk. A a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where you're at, the podcast oh. you're working on. But I do just very quickly, guys, need to mention that. Um, what I was talking about in the intro was that I used to listen mostly to like sports and like politics podcasts mm. and stuff. And then in 2014, I saw Paul. You might have heard a little movie called Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Oh yes. And uh, I'm going okay maybe I even though I love Joss Whedon going back a long time and I like the Avengers a lot I was like okay maybe there's something more going on here so that combined with Ultron coming out in early 2015 combined with a Force Awakens coming out in late 2015 which I was very optimistic about which we'll get back to I started listening to you know nerd podcast and for whatever reason I landed on the Modern Myth Media podcast um, which was a podcast that Paul uh, used to do uh, with and he still works with a lot of these guys and his friends with them um, Sean Justin Chris Chris, John, other guys, which may, maybe will come up. Um, but I, I landed on your guys' Captain America uh, discussions. And then I went back all the way to like the Thor one days and like Cap one days, listened to all those reviews, caught everything up. And then leading into Guardians, I was like finally caught up on all your old podcasts. And obviously, by the time mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy one came out, I was totally hooked and like on board with this whole thing and started planning my own podcast for early 2015. So, with that said, Paul, tell us a little bit about where you're from, where you're at how you got into this uh just drop drop some knowledge on on, on the bizlers <laughs> the bi- what do you call them the bizlers not no, usually because i'm the bizlecasters i don't know where that came from
0: the bizlers is kind of awesome I'll, I'll be honest i wish I, <laughs> I wish i had a group of fans named something uh well uh i'm from i grew up in washington uh western washington and i i you know i pretty much live in seattle in the last for the most part since 2005 um, with maybe a couple of stints in random places for a few months or whatever, but I mainly live in Seattle, uh, married, have two dogs, um, you know, hoping to have kids soon at some point. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, how I got, how I got into to you know, nerd culture, it's, it all stemmed from the very beginning when I was a kid. Uh, I was a, my grew up on my mom and dad buying my brother and I, I have an older brother who's six years older than I am uh, comic books at like, you know, uh, gas stations to keep us quiet and and whatever, you know? And um, I remember some of my earliest memories are watching return of the Jedi on VHS. And this is for all you kids out there. You don't, don't didn't grow up with this, but there was a time when you had to rent the VCR from the video store. Okay. And you had to rent the VCR and you had to, you know, rent these tapes. They're giant tapes, VHS tapes. And, um, uh, my, I remember watching Return of the Jedi and just not wanting my mom and dad to take it away. I remember just being like, no, don't take it away. So many
1: times I watched that movie, it's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, same. Uh, but then, um, Going, you know, as far as like comic like Spider-Man and, and Marvel, um, my early, some of my earliest memories are me playing with a Doctor Octopus hmm. Secret Wars action figure, hmm. which is part of the mid '80s um, Mattel um, yeah, Mattel line, where they basically wasn't Mattel. I think it was Mattel. That Either sounds way. right, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, it's based off the comic book series. I was you know, the comic book series called Secret Wars was created for the toy line, essentially. But it, it worked perfectly because I loved them. I bought my mom and dad bought me a ton of my, ton of them. I had Spider Man, obviously. I had both Spider Man and Black Spider Man. Um, I had um, Wolverine. Had Magneto, Kang, Doctor Doom, Captain America, Iron Man. Um, who else did I have? I think it's I think it's mostly every Baron Zemo. So I can't forget Zemo. Um, I want to say I had Daredevil too, but I don't remember that far. But anyway, I grew up kind of on that stuff, and my mom and dad would buy us comics here and there, and they are kind of always kind of in the in the just kind of hanging around. The house and I've always gravitated towards Spider-Man and the Marvel characters, and, and so um, as I got older, my brother got more into comic books, and he brought home um, in the late '80s uh, "The Dark Knight Returns," and that's—and I'm not kidding you. And when I say this, "The Dark Knight Returns" and Batman '66 are my first, you know, basically basic foray into Batman was was those two things, and those are my lead up to Batman '89. So, uh, you know, so basically, you know, my, my brother got into comic books, you know, in the late eighties and thus I got into comic books and, and my main comic books were that I, I loved were Spider-Man mm. X-Men comics. Yeah. And I would like buy yeah. random, the random stuff here and there too. But yep. those are my two go-tos and I grew up loving them. As far as Star Wars goes, I've watched Star Wars a million times, meaning Empire and Jedi. People are always surprised when I tell them this, this story, but um, my first prequel was A New Hope. I did not watch A New Hope until much later. Uh, when I was in kindergarten. Uh, my mom and dad were in the car, and I remember this so well. My mom goes, hey, the first Star Wars is on the night. I go, oh, the Empire Strikes Back. She goes, no, 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 the first one. I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, there's, there's one before Empire Strikes Back. And oh, wow. I said, there is? And she's like, and I, I remember being, is Yoda in it? No. I'm like, well, what about Lando? No, Lando. It's just, so she's like, the droids are in it. So you'll like that. Cause you know, I love the droids. I've always loved the droids. Oh, yeah. And so she was like, the droids are in it. And Luke's in it. And Obi-Wan's in it. Han and Chewie are in it. North Vader's in it. I was like, "What?" And I remember watching it, and it was weird watching that movie. I gotta say, it was very weird because you can tell it looks old.
1: It's still weird. Yeah, it's it, it looks
0: older. Like it yep. looks like it's from the seventies. Literally, looks like, whereas you watch, you know, you watch Empire and Jedi, you don't look old as old as. A New Hope
1: does. Yeah, Yeah, I I don't want to stop your flow, and we're going to get back to this more detail in the Star Wars main section. But in the uh, commentary for New Hope I just released with my contributor, Simi Klimo, we kept talking over and over again about how, although we love a New Hope, Empire and Jedi feel timeless in a way that New Hope doesn't. That movie still really feels of its time for a lot of reasons, budget, you know, all sorts of things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's um. so, but yeah, I grew up on, and then after that I recorded it, I watched all of them. Mom and dad eventually bought me the, the trilogy, you know, cassette, you know, VHS cassette for Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't know I, that was before THX. This was, this was the CBS Fox. Oh, uh, Yeah. This was back in the day, man. I think it was like, I was like, you know, 92, 93, I think when they finally gave those to me. But, um, but yeah, it was, you know, I had a ton of the toys. My brother and I had a bunch of Empire and Jedi jo- toys. Um, and, um, you know, I loved Ewok films from the, the ABC uh, TV films. A lot of people don't like them. I love them. They're, yeah, they're not great, but they're not supposed to mean they're, come on, they're TV films from like, the the mid '80s. What do you expect?
1: I love Ewoks, and I challenge anyone to, d- to dig into the deep recesses of their soul if they grew up in the early '80s who don't like Ewoks. They just don't want to admit it to themselves. Is my theory? Yeah. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah. so yeah, I grew up, you know, just loving Star Wars, playing Star Wars, just wanting more Star Wars. Since I was a kid, I would, you know, I'd buy the comic books, the Marvel comic books, every once in a while, and I'd buy the, uh, you know, a random toy. Tw- I, re- I remember just very, very vividly going to, uh, you know, swap meets, you know, hmm. and looking for star Wars action figures to play with. I remember, you know, I remember going, Hey, can we go to the swap meet? I'm looking for Ooh. star
1: Wars action. Figures. What is a swap meet? I'm not sure I know.
0: <laughs> it's like, it's, you know, I think it's, um, it's very much, what, what is it? Um, 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 oh my gosh. It's, it's like, uh, it's like a garage sale hangout kind of thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's mm-hmm. exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, basically it was like a, you know, word, there's there's another t- there's an, there's another uh term for it, um that I'm I, I don't it's on the tip of my tongue. But basically people would pay to bring their stuff and just put it out and they would just hang out there all day and sell. And I got oh. like Star Wars cards there, I got Star Wars action figures there. I mean, I got all kinds of stuff.
1: Now, was this during the sort of late eighties, early nineties, quote unquote dark ages of Star Wars or whatever when it was like Dark Times? Yeah, is dark yeah, times?
0: Yeah, this is, so, yeah. Oh yeah. This is definitely during the dark mm. times. This is all all during that. I mean, but here's the thing when Star Wars Renaissance happened before the dark. T- so this is actually, this is right. Probably when Zon's um, right. You know, within yes. a year or two of on stuff coming out, I was, you know, want looking, but even before that, I was always looking for Star Wars toys and stuff like that. So, you know, it was all, I mean, I didn't have, I didn't have a lot of low allowance. So like it was of stuff. So, but yeah, it was probably, probably either a year or two before that, but around, around that era. So like 90, 91, you could say
1: yeah i was born in 81 i'm not going to guess your exact age but your love of return of the jedi and the x-men make me think you were born relatively around that time <laughs> you nailed it born 82 <laughs> yeah yeah um and i think tim was 83 because we had the same discussion yeah. i thought tim was i thought you guys were a little bit younger than me i thought tim was younger than the way I'm he was old. talking about it i was like eh, you saw that like, yeah i'm an old man I'm yeah. an old man <laughs> So, uh, okay, man. So, you know, we both grew up with a lot of that stuff. Um, I, a really quick question, actually, that I hadn't prepared, but you're telling your story. I, I wanted to ask before we jumped into the sort of podcasting days sure. is... Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think because of the fact that we hit adolescence and so forth during the, you know, dark times or so forth, even though there was lots of Star Wars, including, like, all the LucasArts computer games and video games and stuff, which were great, but we didn't think there was ever going to be more movies or, like, you know, huge Star Wars things coming necessarily. Did that... Let me put it this way: Did comic books sort of fill in that hole a little bit, uh, or did they just complement each other? Like, well, I'm into Star Wars, so I'm also going to be into Spider Man, Batman, and the X Men, and so forth. If that makes sense?
0: No, no, I, I told you, I know, I totally know what you mean. They are very separate. And so, I, as a kid, I went in phases. I'd always go in phases of, like, you know, of the movies I watched or what I was really into at the time. Uh, you know, Batman definitely had a, fa- a small phase It wasn't as big as, as, as Marvel Marvel and Star Wars always had the, Probably the biggest, lo- the longest phases But they'd always give out, you know But they, DC would have a, a little bit of a run But Marvel and Spider-Man And the X-Men were always the, the prominence I'd always go back to them and read them again. I didn't have much money, you know, to spend on this stuff. My mom and dad did not weren't like buy whatever you want. Like they here's five bucks, you get that's that's, that's it for the week. And I'm like, yep. they've spent it, and I wanted more. They'd be like, no, deal with it. You know, they're very oh yeah,
1: they're very hard on me every once in a while. You know, so so you said you were X Men and Spidey. So I was X Men and Iron Man for whatever reason. I liked Iron oh. Man growing up. Never foreseeing well, did- this. Did you yeah, did you like the Iron Man cartoon <clears throat> back in the day? I don't think I watched it much. I just I love what? the stylization of the well I'm not gonna say this. It's not that I didn't watch it. It's just that I I'm not someone with a great memory. So it didn't uh. sear into my brain. Like I'm sure the Spidey stuff I was watching too, but unlike the X-Men and Batman animated shows where I can like remember specific moments from that show, those shows, um I don't think it seared in. I guess what I'm saying is that wasn't the reason I got into Iron Man. I'm not sure why. He was fighting a lot of crazy bad guys at that point and I and War Machine was amazing at that I think that was the main reason and I wanted something very different from the X-Men because one of the reasons I love the X-Men Man, and maybe we'll get into this later with Marvel is it explains so easily the what reason these people have superpowers and the mechanism for as opposed to all these right. crazy experiment scenarios the Avengers and the Defenders and, and so forth right to explain right. how they got superpowers and it also explains why they're bonded together and it explains why everyone hates them and wants to kill them and me mm. being a Jewish person growing up, you know, learning later how important, you know, Jewish people like Stan Lee and so forth, the Holocaust played into all of the comic books, a social message, but specifically the X-Men, you know, which you either love or don't like because of how heavy handed the political and social messages are. I loved growing up. I think with Iron Man, I just wanted something totally else. I was like, yeah, he's just a super genius with a, with a super suit that's like a, a cooler than Batman for a, a nine-year-old. Like, sure, I'm in. Why not? You know? Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I was not a deep dive Iron Man guy. Whereas X-Men was the like negotiating point with my parents. Like it went from X-Men to X-Men Uncanny X-Men to X-Men Unlimited to Wolverine. Like, you know um, what yeah. I mean? Like I kept begging to get more of the expanded X-Men universe because um, that's, that's what I truly love growing up. Go ahead. Yeah.
0: I, I read just recently a comic from X-Men Unlimited, the, uh, the issue where Wolverine or Wolverine where Nightcrawler discovers that he's a, his mom is Mystique. Yeah. Yeah. I, love I have that, that still. I- yeah, yeah, I I have it too, but I actually read it for the first time, uh, which I remember as a kid being like, I never read it, but I always, I always see it because it was always so expensive. Those big, so like back then, three. It was I think it was three ninety nine for this like sixty four page book, and I remember being like, I can't spend like almost my whole allowance.
1: I think. If, if I'm right about this, I will be both proud and ashamed. I think it was X-Men Unlimited 4 that was the yep. full origin story of, Ma- of Magneto. It was either 3 or 4 because Night- Nightcrawler was in there.
0: Oh, it was three, four, four, four is, four is, I think okay. four is that one. I think the one before yeah. that could have been, that could have yeah. been Magneto. And again,
1: as someone who is, you know, Jewish, I didn't have family, fortunately, that died in the Holocaust, but like, I grew up with a lot of friends who had that and Magneto's backstory spoke so much, obviously, to someone like me and to get that full backstory in a very bizarre way where they were like talking cows and all sorts of stuff going on. Like, I just remember that really hitting me hard. Weird. I don't remember, I don't remember talking cows, but. Yeah, Bova. Gentle Bova. You don't remember that? Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Is, that, is, that, up, is he
0: yeah. like a like – a, it's not even a cow. Is he like it has horns and stuff? It's,
1: yeah, it's like yeah. some sort of bull or like, something. It's like yeah. Winda,
0: Winda something. Winda – mm-hmm. what's it called? Winda Gator. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah. Winda something. Yeah. And, yeah. and like Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I vaguely – it's it's windamore or something like that. The High Evolutionary is associated with that guy. I'm pretty sure that's it that he's he's associated with that um but yeah so but yeah as, as a kid you know I I would I would read um you know just all kinds of comics
1: so okay so just to bridge to this because uh, we want to get into the main topics here but I also want to hear how the podcasting started Um, as the lead in and then guys by the way I sometimes do this with new guests where I do one hit questions now Paul being both a comic book and Star Wars guy I have a few more than usual so we're going to run through a bunch some of them are funny some of them are standard like what's your favorite from this series blah 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 and then we'll lead into the main Star Wars discussion I'm just going to give you my quick story which was by the time I got to high school I was so socially awkward in middle school that I had to work to hide my nerd identity and it basically I was just a computer game player incessantly and that's how I was a nerd and then I tried to be like somewhat normal kid in high school and and I was mostly able to succeed you know, being uh, like you know, not super, super socially awkward and then The Phantom Menace came out and I was a junior in high school and we got all dressed up you know back then they didn't care when you brought in lightsabers and weapons and stuff and you know we had cloaks and lightsabers and we were watching the movies over and over and over again and that first viewing of Phantom Menace was thrilling but as the prequels went on I became less and less um, thrilled about them now I, I should say and this will come up later I have softened a lot on my criticism of the prequels and I think they've aged great and working with a lot of younger podcasters especially women but young men and women have really changed my mind about the prequels in a lot of ways at least perception of them and I do actually watch them still a lot even though I criticize them um, but that being said it just lined up with me being more into nerd properties like The Matrix and Crouching Tiger like that to me and, and I ended up becoming a philosophy and religion major in college actually and then studying it on a graduate level as well because of movies like Crouching Tiger and The Matrix and so forth so it just shifted but the Star Wars thing was always in the back of my mind and the X-Men and superhero thing was always in the back of my mind so that you know like what 15 years later in 2014 again with the great marvel movies that were coming out and then discovering podcasts like you guys it immediately reignited and i was never interested i wasn't disinterested in captain america growing up i just it wasn't a guy i read and the fact that i came out of the winter soldier knowing nothing going into it and i'm like captain america is my favorite superhero i never thought i'd say that i was like okay i need to shift my perception here and my podcast is taking a new direction this one i'm going to do I'm listening to you guys. I'm listening to you know Tim and Kyle, on the saga continues, which you introduced me to. I mean, not directly, but listening to you um, and buddies with those guys. So I want to know how you got into podcasting, mm-hmm. and then along with that, like, was it a conscious decision to do both Star Wars and Marvel content, or was it just like things keep coming out, and I'm interested in both these things, so I'm gonna kind of spread my wings and 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 you know go go different places with this.
0: Well, what happened with podcasting was I discovered podcasting in 2008. Uh, I think I want to say I was listening to this, the Spider Man Crawl Space podcast, and I really liked. Like, I, I started going to sleep to podcast. Like, and not no disrespect to anyone who I I listened, my – No, my no, brother, no.
1: I did the same thing with like sports podcasts. The same yeah, thing. It yeah, it just it helps
0: me sleep. Like, I used to. It's so relaxing. Yeah, I used to sleep to like music and stuff or and TV, but um, no, it's now it's. Um, now it's a podcast. It's been, it's been like that way since 2008 for almost 10 years now, and uh, so yeah, I, I got really, I got really into, it. I got really into Batman on film podcasts. That's where I discovered Sean and and Chris and, and Brad and all them. Uh, but I always wanted to start my own podcast. I remember my friend Dave, who's a, who's an amazing toy photographer named Father's Figures. Uh, well, he's, hmm. Dave's one of my best friends, um, and uh, he, we, we wanted to start a podcast back then, but I had no idea how to do it, and he had no idea how to do it. We're both just kind of like, oh, whatever. But me and Dave had so many squanders What I year is this, roughly? Oh, sorry. No, 2008.
1: Oh, still in 2008. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, I just want to make sure because that's a while. Because, so really quickly, Paul. So, I used to work in the music business, like in the fringe, like working with like African artists and like working with the world music artists. But I was in the music business and we tried doing podcasts as early as like 2005, but we had no idea what the hell we were doing. Yeah, um, neither. <laughs> and so it wasn't until much later. But I just wanted to give you a hell yeah on the listening of podcasts because I literally, my life was professionally listening to music all day. So, the last thing I was going to listen to at night was more music. And yeah. so that's when I got into podcast. Okay, so go ahead.
0: That's kind of happened to me too because I was you know, I'm yep. I'm a musician and uh yeah and I, I you know I was in I was in two bands for like a long time and then doing my own music I, I've been I would I've been I was pursuing music since I was 16 and I didn't I didn't kind of stopped when I was when I got married like literally the summer I got married my the band I was in we were trying to you know do, we were doing some stuff finally just was petered out. So, uh, but before then, you know, I, de- I'm with you, man. I wanted to do a mu- music, podcast. And I, already, I what happened was I made a Tumblr and then I put like a podcast where I put, I did my top five albums of, with m- my friends and I, um, that year for, uh, you know, and I did like little sound clips and everything. I spent a lot of time on it and I did it. And, and uh, I just had it there. I, I did like two shows, and uh, it was, you know, no one really lo- didn't do anything, obviously. But I, so I, I got, you know, kept doing it or I kept just listening to podcasts. And, you know, it was funny because uh, when Sean uh, from Batman on Film t- did Modern Myth Media, there was this really DC heavy and they would talk about Marvel. But I could, I knew those guys, not to be a jerk, but I just, you know, I just said, you know, these guys aren't really Marvel guys. And, and Iron Man had just come out.
1: I'm I'm am sorry. I'm a Marvel guy too, so I I I'm right with yeah. And yeah.
0: so you know it was, and I love DC characters, and I've I've I've, pl- sure. I've read plenty of DC comics, and I love DC comics. But I've always been a yeah. Marvel zombie at heart, and uh, you know, and I've been buying. You know, I got back into comic books when I was 22. Uh, yeah, but 22. So um, I had just been buying. You know, got back into comics and catching up and reading and buying, spending way too much money on comics, and um, so when. I started listening to Martin Myth Media. I, I was like, man, these guys don't have a Marvel guy. Like, they are all DC guys talking about Marvel. But like, you've got Thor, you've got Captain America coming out. Like, this is big stuff. Like, this has got to be, you know, let's do. I've got to like see if maybe they they need a Marvel guy. And so I just, I very humbly just sent over. Uh, I, I I emailed Sean. I sent. Really, you cold emailed Sean?
1: Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's. I don't recommend it all the time. It doesn't always work, but no, it worked for me with my Australian crew, but it rarely works. I agree with you, but when it that's, I just didn't know that that was the story. Yeah. Yeah. I you guys like so, met or something. So I
0: yeah. said, Hey, uh, I'm a big Marvel guy. And I, 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 I attached or I linked, uh, you know, my, like one of my shows, the the music show to Sean. And I said, Hey, thank you, Sean Gerber. And, and, and huge. <laughs> thank you to Sean Gerber. Sean, Sean's my boy. Um, but yeah, like I just said, you know, Hey, uh, I'm a, a giant Marvel zombie, big big Marvel guy, and you guys are missing a Marvel presence. I would love to, to join you on Marvel if you guys need to, a Marvel voice. Here's a, a copy of what I sound like, so you kind of hear that I'm not some schmo I'm just being like dirt, you know, which I still like some dirt, but you know, whatever. I'm a little better <laughs> maybe now. But I it was just funny because uh, Sean brought me back. and said, "Yeah, I would love to have you on," and I was like, "Whoa, I wasn't uh, to be honest, wasn't
1: expecting it." Dude, Sean knows talent. It's like how he predicted Chadwick Boseman, man. He's got a nose (laughs) for it. He knows talent. He he, He knows talent. I'm telling you. He knows talent. Yeah. Yeah. Quick aside, quickly quick aside, man. Is Sean as nice as he seems? He seems like the sweetest guy ever. Sean Sean is nice. He'll get on his bad side. (laughs) Oh, 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 interesting. Okay. Okay. Sean is one of the most loyal
0: people you'll find, you know, and, uh, you know, just don't piss him off. (laughs)
1: <laughs> fair enough fair hey look those are the friends you want those are the friends you want way, in
0: a good way I, and sean is oh sean yeah. and i've been through a lot together and uh you know I, I wouldn't want to podcast anybody else he's
1: no he's great you guys are awesome together and honestly it was the rapport between you two i mean john and justin were, were great as well but the rapport between you and sean really informed what i ended up going towards because i'm my approach a sort of host and a guy who loves like behind the scenes and talking about actors and directors I'm more like Sean in that way and so I've tried to cultivate uh, my my you know co-contributors as I call them to be more like you people who know the lore more who have read the comic books more who are more into it and I always love that back not that Sean didn't know the comic books but like that was like something great you brought to the table was this massive encyclopedic knowledge of it and what I always really liked about it was that even from the beginning and I this I appreciate this even more now hearing a lot of bad podcasters is you're not the guy who was like complaining because some detail or another didn't make it from the comic books to the movies you're just saying oh I really like this in the comics I hope it's in the movie and then something happens in the movie and you go okay that was a cool interpretation or that was a cool deviation it's not like a lot of the you know the hardcore nerd podcast not a lot some of the hardcore nerd podcasters who like if they don't get their vision of spider-man or their vision of dr. strange either visually or you know verbally or philosophically I'm on the screen in the same exact way you're, you're able to kind of separate and talk about the two which i always really appreciate on your your guys modern myth media well, show go well ahead.
0: thank you jesse uh it, one of the things i think people have to realize is that we i grew up in, a, in an era where you know c- superhero comics were looked down upon studios were very scared to do it and they would you know really screw up the mythos if you will and i just kind of learned it for the most part, except the fact that I'm not going to get a 100% true blue adaptation because the movie going audience is very different than a very niche, uh, you know, comic book loving audience. So, but I always contend to the fact that there's reasons these characters have lasted as long as they have. And it's because of the the true, you know, well, most of their true, you know, things to the character that's very debatable. Doesn't mean I, I don't get irritated at things. You know, I try to be, as open as possible when it comes to it so i you know i just yeah it's it's one of those things where i really want to do be accepting i try to be accepting but if i don't like something i don't like something but for the most part i try to i deal with the fact that they're going to do something different with all the yep. characters that i loved in some way but there's got to be hints of that I think in the character somewhere, which it gets hit and miss sometimes, and and everyone's interpretation of of those of what they change or what they maybe maybe uh, modify, it always differs. You know, I listened to a Spider Man podcast the other day that the guy was just ranting and raving and how bad Marvel Studios is. You know, made Spider Man kid sidekick Tony Stark. You know, and I'm like, I don't agree with that. But I mean that's his interpretation of Spider Man. It's not my interpretation of what that I'm seeing. Yeah. But that's what his is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a, it all varies. It all varies. So
1: yeah. Well, I just want to bring up a couple examples. Then we're gonna jump into the the. Uh the fast round of questions, and then we're gonna jump into Star Wars. So, I want to bring up—you <clears throat> know—I joked about Sean predicting Chadwick Boseman, which he did. I heard it at the time. He called that, but you also called Planet Hulk like five years before it happened to Thor Ragnarok, and I've brought this up on the podcast numerous times that that's the case because I started calling it as a possibility. People are like, "You're crazy! No one's gonna read that stuff." I know it wasn't exactly a Planet Hulk interpretation. That must have been cool for you though, seeing Thor Ragnarok and that that part of the oh, movie. Oh yeah, right?
0: it was. You know, and you probably have people who have listened to the Marvel newscast show. Um, you'll you'll remember me saying that I walked into Ragnarok with a little bit of trepidation because Homecoming was great, but you know, before that they had two kind of stinkers for me. With I wasn't a huge uh, Volume Two fan, and Doctor me Strange neither. didn't really do it for me, so. I was starting to think like maybe Marvel's kind of worn off on me, but I walked in and to Ragnarok knowing that we're going to get Planet Hulk a little bummed out. We were getting that not in its own movie, but at the same time, it it was a great, it was a great addition. It was, I love seeing all the little Planet Hulk stuff. So
1: I, I loved it. I just remember it specifically because you described it and with the, the armor and the fighting and the medieval cosmic thing. So, so when you guys talked about on the podcast, I immediately bought the Planet Hulk graphic novel, loved it. And never read Hulk much before. And that's when I, I started getting on board that they were going to do it at some point. And so I just remember specifically watching uh, the, the first Ragnarok trailer dropping and, and feeling like you must have been shitting your pants a little bit, that they were even trying to take on that material a little bit. Yeah. I, I it did think a good it, job, too. It did a good job, no, too. Yeah. Too.
0: I think it was smart because one of the things I think that Marvel has really discovered is the mm-hmm. fact that team-up films – are the way to go. Yes, yes, and, and I think that. And to be honest, I mean, right now, as of right now, it really is keeping things fresh because you don't have to have a civil war event infinity war event every year you can have a a smaller you know team up kind of film like a ragnarok where it seems like Mm -hmm. that if you would have gotten that in the beginning of the mcu that'd be Mm -hmm. just like what you know or
1: how about a team-up movie that's actually black panther and mm -hmm. i love chadwick boseman as black panther let's be honest that movie was basically wakanda forever the movie right i mean
0: well i i mean
1: no in terms of having so many heroes fighting together like, I, I, I want to save this for the Star Wars discussion. But I, my, my whole philosophy is the best Star Wars movies. Pretty much all of them feel like giant superhero team up movies, even though they aren't technically either superhero movies or team up movies. But they have that Avengers feel to them. I, I'm just backing you up that I like that feel to my movies, even if it's like yes, like Ragnarok, where it's Thor, Hulk, Tessa Thompson, and so forth. I, I love right. that stuff. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I think that. Black Panther I think is Black Panther's movie. I I don't I I think that he has he has an amazing supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Um but I think it really is his movie. I like I think it was beautifully written to be honest. Um for for Black Panther. And I, I in fact I came out on 4K. And I need to buy it, but I've been got a lot of expenses. I got a lot of Star Wars expenses coming out so I I you know, the Marvel films I'm like, ah, I can get that in 4K eventually. I'm not like, you know,
1: I I shipped the Target 4K black panther directly to my dad because i can't afford a giant 4k screen and he can and so it's like well i gotta go to my dad's house to get it so you know we'll go watch it yeah. there i can't wait that's
0: awesome man that's awesome yeah. yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna probably pick it up in the next couple of months yeah. but all
1: right. uh yeah all right dude all right let's get into some specifics here you ready okay, I'm we're ready. gonna do it we're gonna do a bunch of quick hit questions all i'm right. gonna ask you favorites and our picks and There's you can give us with me jesse yeah i know I I am also known for the three-hour podcast. Not that we're doing one tonight, but I am known for the long podcast. So that's fine with me. I was going to say, you can give answers with reasons for these choices, or you can just be like, duh, and then we'll move on to the next one. So (laughs) I'll leave it to you, okay? Okay. So some of these are straight up like best of or favorite, and some of these are a little goofier. You can also do a hard pass on some of these if you want to. Fair enough. All right, okay. All right. I'm saving the star Wars questions for the latter half of this section because I want to lead into the modern movies. Um, so we'll start with comic book movies. Sound good. Whatever. All right. right. Favorite MCU film to date currently as of this moment. Probably
0: man, that's tough. Um, it's going to be, I'm going to say it's probably infinity war, Infinity War I can't say pronounce words very well yes. sometimes um, but that Avengers is probably still going to be hard to beat I, I got to see how Infinity War does when I, when I get it in video I saw Avengers like for like 7 8 times in the theater so I've only seen Infinity War 3 I'm a little I'm a little busy right now at work and stuff like that so I can't really go out and see it as much and and also very lazy. I was a little more proactive when I was when I was younger so but yeah, I'd say Infinity War right now because it's a beautiful 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 looking and written film and but Avengers it's it's they're like neck and neck for me but Infinity War probably is an edge just because of it's 10 years, you know,
1: brought together. So we're not going to do this for every question, but I do want to for this one about Avengers, because I am, if you if anyone out there who's listening to this podcast who's listening to me knows I'm a massive Joss Whedon fanboy. Um, and I think... What the Russos did so brilliantly in Infinity War was... First of all, they established their own tone and voice in Winter Soldier. I think we can agree Winter Soldier is high on the list, right? Whatever it is. Yeah, okay. In Civil War, although I do like Civil War a lot, and it suffered from coming right after Batman v Superman for various ways... Uh, it did feel like they were ramping up for infinity war and captain america civil war which is fine you know but the movie itself felt a little bit like a a stop get a step get measure that was a little uneven i feel like with infinity war the russos were just like you know what joss whedon has great humor james gunn has great humor we have great humor and these are all the main characters why don't we just do all of it in one movie and they nailed it you know like even though there were certain jokes i'm like that's a joss whedon joke in terms of sound or that's a james gunn joke or that's a russo joke it worked flawlessly and paul if you had told me that dr strange and the guardians who i agree were two of the things i did not love in the most recent phase of marvel were going to be so prominent and so i think great in infinity war like to Mm. me the fact that i didn't get as much cap in black panther as I would have liked and I still loved Infinity War is just a credit to the Russos. No, I, I think Star-Lord I could have done without. Well, he was... Star-Lord was extremely hard to deal with as a watcher and it's just a question of whether you uh, attribute that to bad writing and or performance or like that's what they were trying to do. He had, he was being basically the Tony Stark from Ultron kind of thing, like just meant to be unlikable.
0: There's truth to that. I think the Guardians for the most part were great. I thought it had a, it had a great balance. I think that... It's obvious that that in Avengers three that Cap and all the main the main Avengers they weren't they weren't the main they weren't the main heroes they had they had small parts in this film because their main their main film is Avengers four it's obvious and that's cool and I thought it was a brilliant balance of having you know S- Doctor Strange Spider Man the Guardians you know Thor I mean it was it, it was beautifully beautifully put together so. Um, yeah, I, I loved, I, I, yeah, I love Infinity War. It's
1: great. I I just want to again a tribute to you guys the fact that I listened before Infinity War I listened to my posts I, I did a State of the MCU and Kind Book Universe podcast with my main co-contributor Maddie G after uh, Captain America Civil War we had hated Batman v Superman we had really liked Deadpool and we had liked but not loved Civil War and we were watching the CW and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and we were trying to put everything together make predictions the fact that I made the prediction then over two years ago that Captain Marvel was going to figure in so heavily to this whole thing i fully attribute to, to listening to you guys over the year not because you made that specific prediction but because you guys got me in that sort of headspace of making those kinds of predictions yeah. and so yeah. i was really geeking out at the end i don't know if it's going to be good or fully realized but i was definitely excited sorry guys spoiler alert i guess i'll put that ahead of time
0: and if you haven't seen infinity War by now come
1: on yeah seriously it's well, 1.8 billion dollars yeah
0: yeah, well, Captain. I, to be honest, I'm a little weirded out by it. Mm-hmm. I mean, why didn't he call Captain Marvel sooner?
1: I think the idea is from the beginning of the invasion of Earth in New York, and then moving to Wakanda it was like in a 24 hour period. So, but yeah, that that's a good point.
0: That's that's they have to have a good reason for that. So, when they were being invaded by
1: aliens, why didn't they call upon her then? So because he's sammy jay and he was i don't know hitting on the ladies or something or he was i don't know. Getting a new suit fitted for him i don't know could be <laughs> yeah it's, it's weird i'm not yeah that has a pretty big plot hole in my opinion but sure yeah. and we kind of knew though that i mean even ahead of time looking back it felt like the final five or ten minutes of the movie and the post credits was always going to be weird no matter what right i mean it, you yeah. have a two-part movie of this type Not everything is going to be like Fellowship of the Ring and Two Towers. You know, like it's it's hard to lead between movies. And certainly my least favorite part was the last five minutes of the movie. But it honestly didn't bother me that much. I hear you. Yeah. So, okay. Favorite Marvel movie that's not an MCU property. So characters from the Marvel comic book universe. I think it's going to be a Spider-Man movie.
0: Ooh, that's tough.
1: I'll, I will. I will for this one. If you want, being a Spidey and X Men guy, I will allow you one Spidey and one X Men. Or you can go with something I'm not even thinking about, like Blade or something.
0: Well, well, I'm going to go with one Spidey and one X Men because it's going to be between between those two. Uh, off the top of my head, um, for, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying to. There's, there's now. Hold on. I'm going to get
1: technical here. Are we talking about comic book property? We're talking about any movie, comic book, any movie that takes from Marvel comics okay. characters that is okay, not okay, okay. from starting and with Iron Man in two thousand eight, Kevin Feige MCU vision. Ah, I got you, got you, got you. Okay, that's that's good, good
0: clarity, good clarity. Yep. There you go. Uh, I'm going to go with Spider Man Two and X Men Two United.
1: All I can say to that is word. Um, yes. And in fact, I should have mentioned earlier that despite my being a little weirded out by the prequels at the time and then getting into like the Matrix and Lord of the Rings movies, X2 and O three 3 really blew me away, actually. It did too. Yeah. And I I think it followed up by some really bad X-Men movies is part of what turned me off to the genre. So when I finally got to see Logan all these years later, I was just in blessed the entire I know it's dark and depressing, but I was so happy to finally see that movie after all these
0: years. No, same
1: here, man. Same here um okay favorite comic book movie that has nothing to do with anything marvel so the dark dark uh has to be a comic book so it could be dark knight hellboy like anything from comics that's not marvel dark probably the dark knight okay um is the dark knight clearly the best of the dark knight trilogy to you have the other movies gotten better or, or worse to you over the years
0: Batman Begins is a great movie. It's it's, it's just overshadowed by the, the brilliance that is The Dark Knight. Uh, I mean, when you have a, an iconic villain like the Joker played by you know a once in a lifetime portrayal with Heath Ledger, that no one, I don't care who they were, could have guessed that he was going to do that good of you know of stuff. And until you and I'm talking about before the trailer, because when the trailer came out, I was sold. I was sold on Heath Ledger. But before that, I was like, I'm not sure about this. And now, you know, but yeah, I mean, I think that's the best. I think Dark Knight Rises is a very, very mediocre to bad.
1: Strongly disagree, but we'll move on. (laughs) But to to be fair, to be fair, I'm not the biggest Batman or Dark Knight guy. Um, I I definitely agree that Dark Knight is the best of the three. Again, though, doing all my film commentaries over the years has made me appreciate some of these movies more than I thought. And Dark Knight Rises was one when I gave a close look to uh just from an entertainment standpoint. But this is also the guy that likes Avengers Age of Ultron only like a half step below the original Avengers. So we don't need to go there. Um uh I have grown to appreciate others, but yes, it's hard to it's hard to disagree. But actually just to make a quick connection uh with Heath Ledger. So, how does Heath Ledger's Joker, sort of in your mind, sort of meta historically when it comes to comic book movies, stack up with Loki and now Eric Killmonger and maybe Thanos, too, depending on your perspective, as sort of all time classic comic book movie villains?
0: So, Heath Ledger's compared to them now?
1: Just, just in your mind, like when we look back 10, 20 years from now and you've got Heath Ledger as Joker and then you've got Loki and then the recent great Marvel villains, like we basically went from one to three great Marvel villains very quickly. So it's right. So it's a little hard to judge. So I guess I'm more asking about Killmonger and Thanos compared to Loki and and Ledger, which was really the only ones we were talking about before. I think.
0: Yeah, I would say I I would throw Magneto in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so Ian McKellen, uh, I would say you're going to, I think Killmonger, the problem with Kill, not problem, but like Killmonger is, is just, yeah, he's, he's great. He, he's so great. Uh, but I think Thanos is just brilliantly executed by so many people. And whereas you could really go to, you know, one person and it's a defining moment for an actor's performance. Like it was, I think for, uh, you know, Killmonger or for the Joker or for the, you know, Loki. We're with, you know, Thanos is it's the CG animators. It's Brolin. It's, it's so much stuff that goes into making Thanos a legit character in the movie. And he's just, he's so good.
1: He oh, was, so he was good. way better than I thought. And I was already defending him to like DC and Marvel haters for a long time. He still blew me away with both performance and looks. I thought,
0: yeah, same here, man. It was crazy. And he one thing you guys amazing. talked about
1: in your um, lead up to Avengers, I think it was you guys where you talked about how, you know, if you look at 2008, you've got Iron Man, right? Which surprised everybody with how great and successful it was. Made a little under $600 million. I believe the Dark Knight made a billion, which in 2008 was historic. Um, and then in 2012, the ex- expectation was the Dark Knight Rises was, I think you guys talked about this, the expectation was Dark Knight Rises was going to meet or exceed Avengers, and even though Dark Knight Rises did well by being just over a billion, it still got smashed by the Avengers, no pun intended. Um, uh, it was something you guys talked about in your, your Avengers, uh, retrospective or whatever which i highly recommend guys is is paul's series with uh with sean gerber um super uh marvel um fuck what's the exact title
0: marvel newscast yeah marvel newscast
1: they they went through like every marvel mcu movie basically leading up to the current movie but it wasn't like you guys were just like re-reviewing it you went through like the expectations and the lead up and the production and the casting and all that stuff and talk about it highly recommend to you guys out there Thank you. that was really the big flip though right when Avengers smoked Dark Knight Rises which by the way only has a slightly lower Rotten Tomato score of, of critics online um, does Dark Knight Rises to Avengers so to flip so dramatically in four years I, 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 that was sort of the beginning of the end of the DCEU before it even started sadly (laughs) Uh, don't bring the DCU DCU fair enough fair enough all right all right kids if you're lucky you'll get some more comic book stuff now but now we're getting into the real adult material which is Star Wars so Alright Paul, so I love comic books. I love the current MC- MCU. I completely agree with your uh, interpretation that once I saw Doctor Strange and Guardians, I was like starting to get turned off by the whole thing. Especially cuz like the cosmic vision of things is less interesting to me than Spider-Man Iron mm. Man and Iron Man and X-Men which are more earth-based obviously. Um and and the fact that is you know Cap and 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 the Black Panther are like my favorite things going on right now, you know, but as I said, loved it in Infinity War. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, but also because I love Star Wars so much and it's been with me this whole time and I felt like I didn't need another Star Wars now with Guardians 1 it was like a quirky fun you know marvel you know version of, of Star Wars I know it's been in the comics for a while but you know what I mean in terms of an on-screen experience it's like okay here's the space opera that's funny and quirky in a way that's different from Star Wars or whatever um, but Star Wars always will have the top place in my heart I, I would say I started my podcast mostly on the strength of the MCU but it's flipped um in the last couple of years because of, of star Wars. So I'm going to ask you a few more quick hits about star Wars, and then we'll jump into sort of the state of the star Wars universe. Uh, as you see it as sort of our, our, main section here, does that sound? Okay. Sounds good. Awesome. Okay. If you had a lightsaber, what color would it be and why? Blue? Because
0: I, that's, I just always was gravitated towards a blue lightsaber. Mm
1: hmm um porgs gungans or ewoks i know the answer to this (laughs) ewoks (laughs) yeah me too um favorite male jedi character in all of uh, let's say canon
0: (sighs) male jedi Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, i'll go with luke
1: favorite female jedi
0: In canon? Mm hmm. Okay. I, you know, I, I'd say Ray.
1: Word. All right. So here, here comes the hard hitting questions, guys. And this is going to lead directly into the main talk. All right. Let's start with the prequels. Okay. F- favorite prequel? I'm talking about episodes one to three, to be clear, everybody. Favorite Star Wars prequel movie and why? A- and also, if you would talk about whether it's changed over time or whether it's always been your favorite.
0: Revenge of the Sith, yes. and it's be, it's because it's, I think, one of the best Star Wars movie, movies ever made. I think it'll always be one of the best Star Wars movies ever made. I think that it's... Uh, that it, it, it really did bring everything together that George wanted to bring. It's probably the, the most Star Wars, Star Wars movie that you could get. It's Star Wars on steroids, I've, I, I've even called it. I think it's beautiful. I've seen the movie a zillion times. I've watched that over and over again. And I think that, yeah, it's not perfect, but, man, it is so good. And George just knocks it out of the park and doesn't get nearly enough credit for – killing it in that, in that movie he's it's just such a such a good fun star wars movie god i love that movie so mm. yeah i would say it's revenge of the sith hands down it's been that like, since i saw it i saw it i saw it like eight times in the theater i love love revenge of the sith
1: yeah and both the box office numbers and the critical reviews from the times seem to indicate that that's clearly the best according to everybody although i know a lot of people personally as do you who don't think that necessarily um so but i i I agree with you i think it holds up well it keeps getting better over time um i was gonna uh, ask about uh, um a favorite uh, uh, original trilogy movie i'm assuming you're gonna say return of the jedi but i don't know
0: it's empire jedi flip a coin whatever lands on that's Mm -hmm. what it is
1: i think empire the thing i keep coming back to i think empire is a more artistically brilliant achievement but I don't think Luke or Vader gets fully developed until Jedi. And I think people sometimes have uh, what I call retroactive retrospection, which was my very first, by the way, the Bizzle cast used to be called Poodoo cast. Um, because I was just bullshitting. And so I just called a Pudu cast. And then someone was like, because my friends will call me the Bizzle. They're like, dude, you just called Bizzle cast. I'm like, okay, I'll call it Bizzle cast. So, one of the very first podcasts I ever did was a very short bit about how, especially with movies like Star Wars, where there's so much nostalgia involved, is we tend to think we thought something differently than we do now. Or, you know, we interpret our own memories differently and stuff, which is normal, like with everything in life. But I think people say, like, oh, the Vader Luke relationship got so complicated in Empire. I'm like, well, we got the reveal in Empire, but the real, you know, like I, I mean, to me, Luke, the Emperor, and Vader at the end of Return of the Jedi is still my favorite group of extended scenes. Is is what I keep coming back to.
0: Yeah, I I, I, I totally get it. I think Jedi is a a great, 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 great. Uh, song or sorry, uh, movie. But I just I love both of them. I think I think it's really hard for me to choose. I hear that. I'll take
1: either one. I hear that. I hear that. Um, and they do go together so well. Obviously, Empire and Jedi. So okay, man. Well, this is where we go into the main uh part of the, the our 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 big talk here about Star Wars. And this is one where I'm going to give you my answer first before I throw it to you, because I want to lead directly from your answer to this question into the talk about where we are at after three new Star Wars movies after bringing the clone wars into canon obviously where it should have been Uh, anyways after star wars rebels which had its ups and downs i think most people liked it overall we'll get into that maybe and with han solo coming out which i think is going to have mixed reactions even though it's getting going to make a lot of money i think most people will enjoy it i think it's already getting some mixed reactions so we've gotten three movies So far, from Lucasfilm under Disney, obviously Episode 7, The Force Awakens, Episode 8, The Last Jedi, and in the middle of those two, in terms of release, Rogue One. So I'm going to give you my real quick on this and throw it to you, because I want to go directly from your answer to this question into the main discussion, which is... I was extremely optimistic about the J.J. Abrams reboot, because I love the Star Trek reboot, and even Into Darkness, which is so problematic from a filmmaking perspective, is really well done, but especially the original Star Trek reboot, and knowing J.J. was actually a Star Wars guy and not a Star Trek guy, I'm like, there's no way. This isn't going to be super fun. I fell in love with the cast from the earliest teasers and trailers, as I think a lot of people did with Daisy Ridley and John Boyega, and so forth. I already liked Oscar Isaac. I, I personally liked Adam Driver, even though I know I was in the minority about that, uh, but I, I was at least interested about where that was going, and the original cast, and J.J. doing special effects and direction, and being more of a Joss Whedon serenity kind of adventure, a New Hope movie, like all those things, and I saw Force Awakens, and I did my reaction opening night, and I give it a solid B+, because while I loved it in the characters, it did feel too close to the original movie, and things like Starkiller Base and the final battle, and there were some weird scenes like Ray running into the forest, and things that I wasn't crazy about. I felt like the characters were super strong and it was really well acted and fun Um, but there was some uh, unevenness in the writing and execution. Now over time that has completely changed and I have loved Force Awakens more and more over time. It's one of the most rewatchable movies I own. I watch it all the time. I love watching that movie and so it's probably bumped up into A- and maybe even you know A territory just because it's so fun and funny and rewatchable. Now Last Jedi was a little bit of the reverse because I wasn't buying into the hype that this was going to be the best Star Wars movie ever that people were saying ahead of time I like Ryan Johnson as a writer director but I wasn't convinced he was going to make a spectacular Star Wars movie so I benefited from having somewhat lower expectations loved The Last Jedi when I saw in the theater like really loved it way more than I thought gave it an A minus and then I think it's kind of settled at like a strong B plus for me because I've seen all the flaws and talking to people like Tim and talking to other contributors I've had some of the flaws I see and I acknowledge and there are some pacing problems, and there are some plot problems, and and so forth. Um, so both of both episode seven and episode eight have have you know ended up very high in movies I love to rewatch. I think I rewatch episode seven a little bit more just because it's more fun and funny and adventurous. However. When I saw Rogue One in the theater, I immediately gave it an A when I came out. And on my second watching, it was an A plus because I can't think of more than a handful of blockbuster movies in my lifetime that were cooler and more satisfying than Rogue One, which was a movie I I wasn't sure what to think about going into it. And not only is it for me the best of the new Star Wars movies, it is up there with episode three and the original trilogy because it flows into the original movie so well that just like Empire and Jedi connect together really great. Now, Like Rogue One and New Hope match up really, really well together as a two-parter. But even though, Paul, I'm going to throw this to you because I wanted to get this out to you because I know you'd understand where I'm coming from, even if you don't agree, is that even though for uh, Rogue One it was meant to feel obviously like the original trilogy because of the time period it was leading up to because Gareth Edwards was not trying to make a Gareth Edwards movie the way I think J.J. Abrams was trying to make a J.J. Abrams movie and Ryan Johnson was trying to make a Ryan Johnson movie which is fine and I loved most of those two movies. Gareth Edwards just wanted to make a very very visceral uh, unique war movie in the Star Wars universe and was really just trying to channel lucas i thought the entire time even when it came to the reshoots he was on board with everything uh, if you listen to the gareth edwards interviews like he's clearly the biggest star wars nerds he talks about the prequels he talks about the cartoons he wanted to work all that in and so by not trying it actually felt the most like a star wars movie whereas i think sometimes last jedi and force awakens are trying hard in weird ways to be star wars movies and come off as not feeling like that so thoughts well, wow, it's a lot. Yes, it's a lot to take in. Yes. Well, there's only a few people in the world I trust with that much information. So you're, you're right, one right. Right. Go ahead.
0: Right. Right. No, it's a. I'm. I'm one of those people that I love Star Wars no matter what. Even if I don't love love everything, the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi both have the same thing. I have to see how it's concluded. There's to me, it's hit and miss. And you know. You know, it's funny, I just kind of, I just kind of came to a realization now that it wasn't until episode three that I really, really accepted episode one and two, because I saw the conclusion of the, or of the story, even though I knew what was going to happen, it was, that movie was so amazing that it really brought the other films, and I accepted them more as Star Wars. And I feel, even though I I, I definitely like Force Awakens and The Last Jedi more than I, I think I liked The Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones. That being said, I think they're even more, or at least especially Last Jedi, more controversial and more uh, pol- uh, polarizing than, uh, than the prequels were. And I think well, I I, th- like, I always say the first half of The Force Awakens is some of my favorite Star Wars ever. Mm-hmm. The last half is really rough and. Again, I want to see how episode nine brings it all home. There's parts in the last Jedi I think are phenomenal. There's parts in the last Jedi I think are straight up bad, and I'm just like, and, and when I say bad, I mean the lowest of George Lucas and the prequels, bad, like equal to that, if not worse. And um, you know, I'm just one of those people that just kind of, you know, whatever. But Rogue One I think is is just a brilliant, brilliant film, and there's that movie kind of it, it pays homage to the original, you know, all the things that came before it. But it's its own thing. It doesn't have to tie into anything directly as far as the Skywalker's. It's you know, that being said, Leia is not it for a split. Yeah, second. no, but just really
1: quickly, it also talks about the Force without talking about the Force too much. And Donnie Yen' right. his mysticism is the perfect way. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. So, row one was a movie that. I was really excited for it, but I had no idea how it was going to work because of how, um, you know, because it was a first standalone film. And I quickly just fell in love with, I mean, I, I love the theater, just could not wait to go back and see it again. Could not wait. So it just, the ending, you know, a lot of people criticize the beginning, saying it's slow. I love the beginning. I think it's great. I love the fact that it kind of tells a story, yeah. tells everyone what's going on, and then it kind of ends in this big, beautiful, like sprawling battle. It's God, it's so good. I mean, I think I look back, I just it, and it's, everything is subjective. I get it, but I don't see how people could watch Rogue One and think it's not the best Star Wars movie to come out of the Disney era. It, to me, it's a, it's a no-brainer. It's like there's no comparison. So in my rankings of Star Wars films, it's always Empire and Jedi on top, Followed by Revenge of the Sith and then Rogue One. Yep. So, yeah, those are my top four, my top five. The, the fifth one gets a little dicey.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, look, if you flip Rogue One and Revenge of the Sith, I basically have what you're putting out there. But, yeah, yeah but, yeah. but it's just because of what you're looking for in a Star Wars movie, and they're both super high up. I agree with you. I don't understand people who don't realize. Here's the thing, man. Even if I said it's not one of the best three Star Wars movies, which I personally believe Rogue One is one of the best three, as a pure film, as a war film that happens to be set in the Star Wars universe, it is so epic. It is like Casablanca epic, like Lawrence of Arabia epic, what goes on in that movie from a dramatic, political, and so forth standpoint and if you can appreciate it as a movie and this is the thing you know, I'm, I'm a teacher now and I work with a lot of like high school age kids college you know people going into college for them Rogue One is clearly the best Star Wars movie and most of them aren't major super hardcore Star Wars fans and like they like The Force Awakens and Last Jedi but like pretty much across the board because I always ask them they're like oh yeah Rogue One it's my parents too who have seen every Star Wars movie in theater since 1977 but aren't major fans but they let me had me grow up as one and know how much I love of it. And I saw Rogue One with them as well as episode seven and eight. Like, it's not even a question for them. Um, So what what do you think is that divide in perception? Um, Again, uh, guys, ahead of time, you know this about my podcast. We're never trying to shit on things that you love, but we have to make comparisons. So what is it between people where it's like between 7 and 8, and then Rogue One was just like a cool standalone, or people like you and me who are like, this is a true Star Wars achievement, and the other movies are still trying to get there?
0: Yeah, I I think Rogue One has the advantage of being a one-and-done movie. There's, There's no expectations about a film coming after it. There's not a, you know, of trying to set up a whole new trilogy. It is, is what it is. And I think there's something really missing in a lot of star Wars films like that, because it is, it tries to build off and set something up that's coming or that, you know, a trilogy or whatever. And, you know, the original star Wars, a new hope never did that. It never was supposed to set up, you know, it was, it was very much a, a very condensed contained story. I mean, it left it open but it was never meant to like be it was very much it you know it, it was very it was a very self-contained story you could have ended it right there and you know it was it was a great it was a great thing that that they did so with rogue one it, it's very much the same you could you know you just it was very again condensed story and you could really it was tight to me it was a very tight story and you had to like go go to a lot go to a lot of places quickly and i like that about it and i think that it's uh yeah i just i love that movie to death
1: so really quick a couple quick facts um one the Jedi war scene happens like 22 minutes into the movie. So I don't know how much faster people want the action to happen, especially when people complain about supposed lack of character development, which I would argue with and then say, Oh, but it took too long to get to the action. I'm like, what do you want people? You know, like, like, honestly, like do you want more character development? Do you want more action? But you don't want the movie to be longer than two hours and four minutes, you know? Um, Obviously, Rogue One came out right after the the Trump election, and so that is interesting um, as well um, in terms of timing. Um, but I don't think people really fell in love with it or not in love with it based on on those direct political reasons. I think people either got its tone or they didn't connect with it. Right. Whereas with, with the with the big saga movies look I mean you can at least get behind Rey and Kylo and them fighting and them not fighting and blah, blah blah right there's at least something you can get behind even if you don't love the movies Rogue One I think if you're not on board let's say 40 minutes in you're probably maybe not going to get on board especially if you then start getting attached and they kill spoiler alert all your favorite characters I think a lot of people were depressed honestly I think part of the reason Rogue One made less money than it did was because after the first weekend everyone knew that everyone died uh, whether you see the saw the movie or not I've learned to live with that and watch the movie all the time but it it can be brutal and i think I i'll throw it to you factored into some people this not being their favorite star wars movie or, or having trouble with it
0: i think that people just i, I think it's a very it's very different than the saga films it's it's more gritty and i you know i think that's what i like about it it's 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 again it's it's not everything in the star wars universe is the, is all the same and that's something that george went back and we talked about and said, you know, this is not, I'm, I'm telling one story of like an unlimited amount of stories that he created, that he, that the world that he created. And that's why he hated giving all the writers in the EU and, and whatever he EU and all that crap. You know, he never gave him restrictions for the most part because he knew it's like, I don't want to give anyone restrictions, unlimited possibilities. And I think that Rogue One for a lot of people is, is a very different animal than other Star Wars films. And for me, it's a different side of the galaxy. And I love that. I think it's brilliant, and that's why I'm so excited for so- – I mean, I'm excited for anything Star Wars, but I'm excited for Solo. Different thing, different different part of the galaxy, different adventure. I mean, I want to see as many different kinds of Star Wars adventures as possible. I mean, sure, I, I wasn't like, we have to have a Solo movie, but I'm happy we got it. Mm-hmm. I'm really happy. I can't wait to watch it. Yep. So the, the standalone films are very – are just to me are cool because you get to see a different side of the universe that you would normally in the soccer films.
1: Absolutely. And it also highlights different parts of the universe in terms of, like, if you want to get super nerdy, like, the three main aspects of Star Wars universe is you've got Rebel vs. Empire, you've got, you know, scum and villainy, smuggler, bounty hunter side, and then you have the, you know, Jedi Force Sith side, right? And I think what's interesting is People claim to mostly love The Jedi Sith Lightsaber battle side of things And the money seems to be speaking That that's the case with Rey And Kylo and so forth but the, re- the the fact that Rogue One was specifically just about the rebellion versus Empire and the grunts on the ground on both sides, and that it did still make a good amount of money and I think has aged really well. And I, here's a question I wanted to throw to you, Paul, specifically is, do you think the mixed reaction uh, and very like shocked reaction by a, a good number of people to Last Jedi has made people reassess The Force Awakens, the prequels, but especially Rogue One, which came out just a year before? I think the
0: last shit I it did all the above for all kinds of different people, and it's it's again it's it's split fandom down the middle regardless of what you how you feel about it you have to really you know for better or for worse I don't know if it's for better or for worse the only time will tell, but I can tell you right now i I think it's been mostly negative because its it's really you know letting giving Ryan Johnson as much freedom as he has, it's really made people really consider like, what exactly do I like about star Wars? Because with George, he took things he liked, but he just kind of, you know, he went, he went, he went really radical in different areas, but he always stayed true to the characters. And I don't think people ever complained like, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi seems out of character or Qui-Gon Jinn doesn't make any sense. I don't get Qui-Gon Jinn and I don't get Yoda. Yoda seems way different, you know, other other than the fact that he looks different, you know, But, but the characters themselves all, I think, were consistent because it's all from George. The characters aren't all consistent in the sequel trilogy because they're making up they're making it up as they go and I think that's a big mistake and I think it's caused people to go back and say you know the prequels probably weren't as bad as I thought or they may go back to rogue one and say oh, I don't like I, don't, I you know I think that's a lot better or they may watch rogue one and say I like what Ryan Johnson's going with this I want Ryan Johnson to keep going this is awesome can't wait for his trilogy or you watch rogue one you watch last Jedi you say oh man I don't know about this like me and you kind of start questioning force awakens you go oh, I hope I hope JJ can stick the landing oh boy this ain't gonna be Easy, or it could be you love it. You can't wait. You know you're indifferent about everything. It's there's so many different possibilities for people, and that's the thing with 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 Last Jedi is there's no definitive. I don't I, there's not a majority. There's no, I mean, when I say majority, I'd say you know a majority of people like The Force Awakens. I nitpick it, but I still like
1: two billion dollars, including a billion domestically. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I mean, you can't. You're not going to deny that, but at the same time. Last Jedi is just not it's, it's not it's not a majority of people like it it's it's split everyone down the middle,
1: yeah, and I think something that I've been you know again um, you're in the number of podcasts star Wars and otherwise something I've been dealing with regularly on my podcast though is that we can't group together the people who specifically dislike last Jedi for all understandable and rational reasons, and' it's, that's totally cool. And the amount of sort of pent up what I would consider irrational hatred around Disney and Star Wars that people have been holding in in certain parts of this country. And for whatever reason, Last Jedi was the last drop because there was rumblings about some of this stuff with the castings during the Force Awakens. Look, Rogue One doesn't have a single white American lead in any role, good guy or bad, unless you count Alan Tudyk as K-2SO. They're foreign people, people of color, they're women, they're English people, you know, and I think finally people just snapped but it sucks because if you really dislike or have problems with Last Jedi, it, you shouldn't be forced to be grouped with those people. I'm sure you've seen this out there. I'm not asking you to get too political on anything, but do you agree that there is a split among people who hate it rationally, I guess I would say, or dislike it rationally, versus some of just the general anti-Disney, anti-Star Wars sentiment out there? I think
0: it's... To be honest, I think it's, all, it's always been there. Mm-hmm. It's been there for a while. It was there for The Force Awakens. It was there for you know, Rogue One. It's just, you know, I think, I think Last Jedi, it's louder because more people didn't like the Last Jedi. And I think it's louder because now those people are being, are the people who are, or don't, who, did, who didn't like the Last Jedi are starting to maybe go, "Huh, I'll retreat this one person that's really, you know, ha- understands my views. And they end up being like a really hateful person. And I'm like, man, this person really hates the Last Jedi for really bad reasons. And, you know, it's, I, I just think that the Last Jedi just it really did didn't do Star Wars any favors. I don't think it's a, a horrible movie movie by any means. I still love a lot of a lot of it, but I think Last Jedi it fed it really gave a lot of more. I want to say credence. That's not the right word, but he gave a lot of people people that are Star Wars haters or wanted to ha- a reason to hate something. It gave them a little bit more reason to because it was so divided. So they've they've used that to springboard and to, to bring their agenda of hating Star Wars and hating Disney and hating all that stuff. It, it, a lot of people have used that to springboard into, you know, to a bigger thing and they've blown it up out of proportion because it was there, but it wasn't to the extent I think it was, you know, naturally, but people, because people uh, want to be, you know, looking for attention they're going to they're going to do that they're going to say i hate this movie i hate this movie and attack other people and you know and use it to, to be like this is why i hate star wars now because ah oh, you know so there's a lot of reasons i think the last the, and again that's not ryan johnson's fault but i you know at the same time you know i think ryan johnson made some big mistakes in the movie and i feel that to be honest like the people running lucasfilm are responsible a little bit because they should have probably went over the script a little bit more and said, you know, Ryan having Luke Skywalker with the lightsaber over his shoulder probably isn't the best idea.
1: That's the problem. That's the problem. You just identified it right there. The problem is, is two things that come directly out of that scene. One is not enough humor in some places and too much humor that's not earned in other places, like the lightsaber throw over the shoulder. I agree. But the other, which is more debatable, is the portrayal of Luke Skywalker, but specifically the specific nostalgic vision that people have of their relationship to Luke And if you think Luke Growing up You loved Luke For the reason Little girls and boys Love Ray. now Is different than Oh I missed a down home Country boy You know White boy Blue hair Blonde hair Blue eye Luke Skywalker You know We're moving away From that in this country There's too many people That don't look like Luke Skywalker I'm not gonna say What I'm really gonna say But I'll just say They don't look like Luke Skywalker You know what I'm saying man Like there's, But there's so many levels Because I grew up Loving a certain vision Of Luke And I was actually Bought into Other than the light Saber over the shoulder which i agree was was dumb i generally butt into this ryan johnson view but i sympathize with luke fans who didn't yeah
0: i i I, here's the thing i hated that moment but there's certain moments that i love in the movie and that but luke has so i love most all luke stuff that scene is really hard to take and i know it's played for laughs but I really, there's a, there's a lot of humor, there's a lot of character moments that I really think that Kathleen Kennedy and, you know, the story group should have really sat down with those and said, you know, I don't know if this is a good idea. Instead of giving him 100% freedom, let's, let's re- really look at this and say, you know, maybe this isn't a great idea to do this way, but that's just me.
1: No, I mean, I think, I think the, th- I think you hit on it uh, the first time you said this, which was that they did have a look at this and approved it, which is more disturbing and more perplexing on certain points. I mean, look, yeah, I'll yeah, just give yeah, you yes, mine, yes. Poe Dameron, I the more I watch Last Jedi, I'm infuriated by the portrayal of Oscar Isaac's Poe Dameron in Last Jedi. And especially yeah. when I watch the first movie and just think about it and then I see someone like Cassian fucking Andor in Rogue One, I'm like, of course I'm going to be more <laughs> into Cassian than episode 8 version of Poe and Finn. And so I think the problem is they didn't intentionally make a movie where all the women were bosses and all the men were hapless, but it wasn't didn't ring true in terms of the actors and the characters and, and it just played in. Again, I think unintentionally to some idiots out there this perception of men and women's role in star wars while at the same time you know stomping on other people's rational things that they like about I, even the new star wars that were you know were, were changed unnecessarily or added unnecessarily like the whole canto bite fiasco i suppose we could say um in, in last jedi i think right I'm, I'm trying to get the different viewpoints here because they, they are varied and it's important to point that out
0: yeah there's poe dameron is weird in the movie his the fact that like he can disobey as the the direct commander um you know general general uh whatever holdo Holdo. and the fact that she's like i like him yeah he tried to basically like overthrow you and you like him still doesn't make any sense and it's just like
1: that's what we call cute humor, and it doesn't work in Star Wars. It's like there was too much cutesy humor in an otherwise dark movie that didn't really fit. Here's the
0: thing I could buy that if he gave a reason to, for her to like him. There wasn't a He, he
1: seriously. I agree. To, uh, they should have set up a story where either A, we knew that they never got along going back a while, or B, she used yeah. to like him and they had a falling out. Like either of those would have been more interesting than what we got about it, which was nothing yeah exactly so yeah. there's yeah all right well look this is well territory I do want to talk about the future to move into sort of the final section cause I, I really appreciate your time Paul I, I don't want to keep yeah, you sure too long that. I could pick your brain forever I probably okay. will try to sneak in a couple quick Marvel questions at the end just a heads up yeah, because yeah, I want to know your like, view on that but I do love yeah. Star Wars I do love talking about Star Wars I also feel like more of an authority because I've been talking this nerdily about Star Wars for literally longer than I can remember whereas I would be lying if I said i jumped on the mcu train before 2014 even with the avengers and having grown up with comic books so i feel like more of authority on this so let me ask you um I have two specific questions. Well, let me ask you first. What are some things that Rogue One and Episode 3 do that make them great that you either wish Episode 7 and 8 did or didn't do well? Like when you look at the movies Under Empire and Jedi with Rogue One Episode 3, like what do they do particularly well that the new saga movies ha- haven't fully, in your opinion?
0: episodes one two and three compared to the saga films
1: no no i'm saying specifically revenge of the sith and rogue one you have revenge of oh, sith three sorry. and rogue one is four no you're good yeah no so right so revenge of sith the, you have three rogue one F four and then you're not sure i'm saying what did revenge of the sith and rogue one do that the saga movies haven't been doing that make you like comparatively if you can do that i maybe there aren't maybe you like them for completely different reasons but there is a shared dark tone and the fact that they both lead into the original trilogy so well with those two right
0: right I would think that with Revenge of the Sith, the reason why it's better than Last Jedi and uh, and um, Force Awakens,
1: yeah, laid on me,
0: is because I think the narrative, the story, is way, way more condensed and clear, and you're not intercutting a bunch of different things completely. Um, you know, you're basically at the very end of the of the, of the movie, you're, you're you're intercutting between. Yoda and the Emperor versus Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi. So, it's very direct and it's, a, and there's a lot of emotional importance behind it. There's not really a lot of emotional buildup in the force awakens. There's a lot of like really clunky acting and directing in, I think the very last half of wow. uh, the force oh, awakens.
1: Man. This is juicy. I love it. Keep, keep coming. Well, no, I mean, because
0: there's, because <laughs> let's be real. Carrie Fisher does not do a great performance in the force awakens.
1: Nah, Jay didn't know how to write to her for her. She was much better. I agree. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah she's much better in last Jedi, even mm-hmm. though the last, it's not as good as a movie i mm-hmm. think of them mm-hmm. the force begins but agreed that being said uh i think going to maz kanata's castle for whatever reason
1: was weird and i don't know it's whatever did you not like but i agree with the whole extended maz uh castle thing but did you not like the specific sort of force exchange that she had with ray there I, that's great, but I
0: think you could have done that in a different. You didn't yeah. have to go to Moz, and I think Maz is kind of a worthless character. I don't like her; hmm. she's terrible, and I hope she doesn't show up again for in the for uh, the episode nine. But Lord knows it's probably going to happen. Uh, but again, that being said, uh, I'm not. You know, I, it's one of those things where I just, you know, I think that ro- I think with with the Last Jedi and Rogue One, or excuse me, Revenge of the Sith and Rogue One, they're they're very they're very direct stories. Whereas the Force Awakens, uh, I think it, it's again, it starts off so good. It's a strong, I think it's the strongest half of any Star Wars movie. It is, it's like yin, yin yang. It starts off so well, and it just ends with such a clunkiness and such a you know, it's just, there's just a lot of just, it just kind of rushes to get the end and it feels like they're just trying to get there to the Starkiller base. And, you know, a
1: lot of, just like I said, there's a lot of exposition, bad lines, and just so obviously bad. Okay. So the only thing I would disagree with you is about the acting, pretty much none of the problems with the saga movies for me, even for characters I don't love has to do with the actors or the acting. That's just me. I would put it all on the writing and directing. Um, I, I honestly like like Ray. Uh, Daisy Ridley makes mediocre material look amazing. As does for me, Adam Driver as Kylo. And they've had the best material in my mind. So... I'm fine with all that. I understand what you're saying. Something I realized while I just did my episode seven commentary recently was that JJ was trying to work in these sort of Disney fairy tale elements with the four spiritual elements with the JJ fun adventure space elements. And I just don't think they all fit together. Whereas again, when you give Gareth Edwards a war movie to lead directly into a new hope, it's like, okay, I don't have to worry about X, Y, and Z. I can just focus on telling this story and making this into a Star Wars war movie that explains let's be honest a lot of the plot holes in the original movie and original trilogy as well as expanding on that world so I, I, I this is all a, a point of saying Paul that after not loving the Star Wars prequels initially and despising the Hobbit prequels to the Lord of the Rings which is movies and books I, I adore and treasure and I hate really don't like the Hobbit movie star people out there it's nothing personal I just don't like them don't think they need to be made um, that being said seeing these Star Wars animated series we can start bringing in Clone Wars and and Rogue One has completely made me reinterpret both the Star Wars prequels directly and the ability to make a prequel, not only a good, but a great movie. The way I see Rogue One and, you know, we say Episode Three and some other movies like that. Um, so let me ask you, man, why? what about the prequels speaks to you more in terms of the cast and the story than the, the currently the current saga does? Because you are not alone in this whatsoever
0: well i i would say I, i'm not a big fan of episode two i love episode two because it's star wars but with episode one I, episode one is aged really well i think and it's i think yeah. it's it, it it's great most um,
1: practical effects that's for sure
0: yeah i i love it uh i love Phantom Menace. in fact it's you know it's got a lot of heavy competition in front of it but i think it's a great movie um looking back on it um I just think right now, I think George had a better grasp of the world because he created it, and I think that J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson have had their total freedom. But you could totally see two fanboys with different ideas going at it. Whether whether or not Luke was something, this is something that they all agreed with, but you know, or they all thought the same thing, you know, whatever. But the execution, it was all different, and I don't. And I just think it would be better to have one single vision that, that understood Star Wars. And I think these guys get Star Wars to an extent, but they don't get get Star Wars. I, to me, you really have to embrace all, of, most of all of Star Wars to really understand from a filmmaking standpoint to really get it. And I and when I say embrace it, that's I when mean you have to love it all. No. So you have to embrace it. And, no, and really, I'm totally like, following you it.
1: here. I was just going to ask yeah. – Why Gareth Edwards then? Because let's be honest, until Han Solo, I mean, Ron Howard's like his friend, so we can't compare it. Literally, Rogue One is the only of the first three new movies that Lucas openly praised numerous times. He openly loved Rogue One. And Gareth Edwards is not nearly as an established of a director as J.J., or Ryan and by the way he did not have full control and that's another reason as you were pointing out to not give directors writers full control have other writers have consultants have the story group fully involved so let me ask you this cuz Gareth is of the same generation a little bit younger than JJ and Ryan what made his fanboyism like come through better in Rogue One than JJ uh, or Ryan in your opinion
0: well i think there's a big reason for that and i think it's more political than than i think he loved Rogue One too but I think it's because they threw out his treatments for seven, eight, nine. For the most part, there's elements of. some oh, you his, said his political.
1: Treatments. I didn't know where you were going. I was like, uh oh.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, <laughs> Which you're welcome it's to because, do on my podcast, by the way. I just oh, wasn't yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a really political person. No, it's fine. It's fine. No, he. I it's because it's because I really do think that it's because JJ basically said I'm gonna do my own thing and didn't care and was a colleague of, of George's and didn't George didn't take too kindly, kindly to that yep. because even though he's not involved anymore. And I think he kind of took her personally a little bitter.
1: I agree with that, but I don't think he would have gone out of his way to compliment Gareth just to say, no, I, know, you. But yeah. I was
0: no, well, what, what I was going to say oh, okay. was, I think that Gareth was way more accepting of having George on set, wanted him on set, wanted to meet him. Couldn't wait to meet him. we got crap.
1: the archive footage. We got the X-Wing pilots. We got the whole thing.
0: I, I just, th- I think that I, 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 plus I think George thought he did a great job visually. George is more of a visual storyteller than he is. just a filmmaker. You know, as far as that goes, he loves the visual medium. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why he loves comic books, why well, those movies and TV and things like that. So, um, I think that's the reason why is that George, that that for the most part, from a visual standpoint, Gareth really got Star Wars in that in that way, and I think George I think George saw that, and I think George really appreciated the fact that he worked really hard to do something that was like Star Wars, or you know from before, but he also did his own thing, you know, and he wasn't trying to retread on anything. Whereas yep. let let's be real, J.J. Abrams remade A New Hope
1: to an extent. To an extent, Remade a new hope. Bad Rob, bad robot presents a new hope part two. <laughs> yeah,
0: the, the, you know, so there's, there's, mm.
1: there's precedence. But I think, I think the thing about Gareth is he got the small picture stuff and the big picture stuff. For example. The rebel war room that we see in a new hope looks literally exactly the same with mon mothma and jimmy smiths and so forth during the rogue one scenes i mean they lit it exactly the same you can tell the dimensions are exactly the same like the battle of Jeddah. so you know you know in a new hope when they're finally leaving tatooine by the way guys they don't leave tatooine like a minute 10 through uh an hour 10 through new hope so they're finally leaving tatooine and then all the stormtroopers come out and they start shooting at the millennium falcon like th- the way they come out is exactly how the Jeddah battle all started before you know chiru comes in and so you have all those small things but he also made the rebellion so much more interesting and cooler by having a dark side right and i think right. if you grew up being a rebel guy like me like i love luke i love the jedi but i also was definitely a rebel guy i love wedge i love all the rebel pilots seeing that dark side that complication to the rebellion i think george just must have loved just loving his own property and not getting a chance to because that's not what the prequels were about obviously yeah totally totally agree so speaking of which uh, what are your feelings on the Clone Wars and Rebels animated series Um, I'll be honest again I didn't watch any of them much until I saw Rogue One and then immediately went to Rebels and then immediately went back and binged all of Clone Wars and God I don't know like four days or something like something ridiculous yeah I mean I skipped some episodes for later and like I you know I lingered more on some arcs but like I had like a four or five day break and I was like I need to see because I love Ahsoka from Rebels and I don't understand young Ahsoka so I need to see where this goes or whatever um, and so I, I really like both of those series were you on board with the animated series from the beginning and like how's your f- feeling about the progression leading into the new stuff going on I guess
0: well I, I was one of the people that I was sick of the prequel era when it was announced I wanted George to move on in 2007 6-ish 5-ish mm-hmm. yeah. and I, really I, I really, really I think they announced it yeah. the same
1: year as episode 3 I could be wrong
0: it was announced i think the year later or something like that it came out a couple you know 2 3 years later but no ep- episode or uh, clone wars I, I my parents bought me the the movie on blu-ray uh, or um, on dvd and i was like oh, i guess i'll watch this cuz i was just kind of i don't want to watch prequel star wars i'm done with it i really really liked it way more than i thought i was and the next year they you know, i kind of watched a few episodes here and there and my parents bought me the uh they bought me the, the season one on DVD, which was really surprising. And I binged that and I loved it. And I just started, so I, I didn't have a uh, DVR at the time. So I kind of waited for him to come out on for a set. So I would, I'd buy it and binge it. I was binging before Netflix was big. Yeah. So I would binge. So I'd binge, uh, you know, all, uh, all the episodes as much as I could when I, when I get the seasons and, and uh, yeah, I fell in love with star Wars again through the clone wars. And I like rebels rebels is a, I think it's solid. It's not nearly as good as the Clone Wars. Uh, I think George really just did an amazing job letting Dave Filoni run around the Star Wars universe, but within George's box, and it's really cool. George had so many cool ideas in that series. I think I love, I love what he did. I mean, really, think about it. You know, Pablo Hidalgo made a great point. He said, if you want to see the uh, a good example of what George imagined Star Wars to be, it's all in the Clone Wars. You have what, over a hundred episodes of, you know, of 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 material that he, what he envisioned his 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 worlds to, or his his franchise to be and i think it's brilliant because the clone Wars is amazing
1: to be fair i was mostly binging i think season two through five uh, it took me a while to get to the unfinished season i think i'd already you seen season one season one
0: point. has some great episodes. no no no, no. i'm just... saying
1: i'd already seen season one previously so oh, I, when i was talking about geez. my insane like five day binge it was two through five which makes it still insane but just slightly less insane sure sure, sure. yeah because let's be honest with the, the, the mortis arc and stuff that goes on in two and three and going forward it just it gets amazing
0: it gets nuts mortis is amazing i love Mortis. all right
1: so here come the questions ahsoka tano okay paul herman on record ahsoka tano I'm not going to, you can say whether you love her or not. I don't really care. Oh, question, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I think you do. But the question I'm more asking is going to be more of like a star Wars scholars question, which is why did it take people so long to warm up to Ahsoka in your opinion? And why is it now almost universally agreed from all generations that she's at least a cool, if not a great character, like what happened there? Cause you've been following this longer and closer than me.
0: I think because Ahsoka came in very strong and they didn't like how she talked to Anakin. They kind of shoved her in our face, and we didn't really know what to do with her. And then she grew on Clone Wars. You got to see her kind of grow up as you, you know, as the series goes on. And I think you really love where the character is at in Clone Wars in the last season or two. And I think that she's a great character. And I think that, You know, she just gained a a small following. I think she became a role model for a lot of young girls growing up on Star Wars. And and she became the gateway for a lot of girls in Star Wars. So, to me, it just just took some time to kind of see. And and you know what's funny is Dave Filoni predicted
1: it. He told Ashley
0: Eckstein when it happened. He's like, they're not going to like you at
1: first. Well, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy, though, because he specifically designed her to be just a badass Jedi in the body of a 14-year-old girl. Who was snippy and so forth, right? So he kind of put her in that position, but at the same time, it's hard to fault him because in the I think what by end of season two, it seemed like people were getting on board. Yeah, yeah totally, totally. But you said he he warned her, like what, what like what. Well, what did he well, see? He, do you think?
0: he said that people are going to have a hard time accepting you because you're in Star Wars and you're with Anakin and, and they're not going to know because they didn't know that he had a Padawan and all this stuff. So he kind of warned her that fans are going to be very not receptive to her at first, but they're going to warm up to her. And he was right. He he 100% called it because he, he knew where the character was going to go. And he knew that the fans would like where she was going to go. There's so many great stories in the Clone Wars with her. So.
1: Absolutely. And the fact that she's the Padawan of Obi-Wan's Padawan also makes her interesting. By the way, as Bizzlecast listeners know, I am working on a a, a story treatment uh, totally independently, but with great aspirations having to do with Obi-Wan and Ahsoka like 10 years before New Hope, basically. Having cool. like a, a side adventure together, it does involve the world between worlds, which I know I'm not all fans love. I have predicted some sort of time travel in Star Wars for oh, well over a year now. So, with the world between worlds episode of Rebels happened I literally shat myself because I'm like, okay, <laughs> I never actually thought this happening, and this is way cooler and more subtle and interesting than I was thinking. Um, so, let me ask you: It sounds like you're much more a fan of the Clone Wars than Rebels. Did you like uh, uh, at least how sort of the the last part of, of Rebels ended? Or were you yes. left wanting something more or something different as you compare it to the Clone Wars?
0: I think season four was the best season so far. I have only seen it once and I'm waiting to watch it again when I get it on Blu-ray, watching on my big TV. Yeah. But yes, I think it's, I think it's better. I think it was the best season by far overall.
1: Taking out Twilight of the Apprentice, I guess. Right. I mean, from no, no, I said two. season, not episode. Right. No, no, no. I'm saying that like season two has the return of Ahsoka going for it yes. is the thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, so uh, you were already watching Clone Wars when Rebels was announced and then came out. Um, so yes. what was your reaction by the beginning cuz I know episode uh season 1 of Rebels most people either don't like for for understandable reasons or whatever but when Ahsoka was revealed and became a major character in season 2 did you feel like that was a smart step? They were playing to the fans too much like or were you on board from the beginning? Go ahead.
0: I think it was smart. I think it was uh you know, you have you had a you had to know where she what was going on with her she, she was she survived order 66 and they kind of so as much said that so you had it you have you, you gave the fans what they wanted and it was not exactly how we thought it was going to end it was great so it's a little weird how it's ended in season 4 but I'm curious of where it's going to go hmm.
1: all right well an effort to work in a little bit of marvel so You are actually a little higher on MCU movies in general than I am, and I'm definitely higher on Star Wars, the recent Star Wars movie, than you are, which is which is mine, which is great it's just interesting because part of the reason other than JJ and some of the cast that I was confident about the, the reboot of star Wars was what Disney did with the MCU. Like if I, if the star Wars Disney thing happened 10 years ago, I might not have been so excited about it. Um, but because of what they were doing with Avengers cap guardians and so forth, I was like, okay, it seems like they they can handle this. So let me ask you, man, straight up because you're not blind. So I know a lot of star Wars fans. that like to pretend it's not under Disney and Marvel fans that like to pretend it's under Disney. Whatever, guys. You can tell yourself whatever you want, but it's Disney. And let me tell you, of all the big corporations out there, 99% are more evil than Disney is. At least Disney is trying to provide entertainment for kids and provide inclusion and so forth. It's me on my soapbox about Disney, but they're not always consistent. So what do you think the MCU is maybe doing better than the Star Wars movies are? I think it's apples and oranges, man. Okay. I think they're very very different. That's fair. Because because for you I mean more personally like why you know like why the MCU seems to be hitting at a higher rate than than well, the Star Wars movies
0: it's because I think you have Kevin I think Kevin Feige is more he's more uh well, first of all, he's put on a ton of movies yeah. now, and so he's got his he's got his work down. But yeah. I think he just he knows the material. He knows what makes it work. He knows how to convey it onto a film. He knows what you know what makes the characters tick. I, Kathleen Kennedy doesn't know the Star Wars universe like Kevin Feige knows the Marvel
1: universe. Mm, I would disagree with that. My bigger point though is if we just judge Kevin Feige on his first three Marvel movies, we probably wouldn't be singing the post Infinity War and post Black Panther praise.
0: But Jesse, man, you have to remember—remember remember yeah. that he got his start on, you know, pro, you know, producing Marvel films like X-Men. You know, he was responsible for getting Wolverine his hair in the movie. So you have to realize, Kathleen walked in, you know, was given this job outright. She's already an amazing producer with Steven Spielberg. She already had this, She had no real connection to Star Wars other than being a friend of George Lucas. Whereas Kevin Feige worked his way up into the Marvel Studios uh, world, convinced them to to take out a giant loan and put their characters as collateral to make their own films. Kevin Feige knows the Marvel Universe. Kathleen Kennedy does not know the Star Wars Universe. I think that is almost, in my opinion, a fact.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to drop the strongly disagree animated gif here. Um... If she's succeeding in realizing what you see as the vision... That is completely subjective and I buy your opinion either way, no matter what. But to say because of her connection to Lucas and Spielberg literally going back to E.T. in 1982 that she didn't know what was going on with these guys I think is foolish. And I actually think it's a a, a discredit to her. It's better to criticize her for like knowing her job and doing not a great job than saying, oh, you don't know what you're doing. That would be what I would disagree with.
0: But but I'm not saying she doesn't know what she's doing. I'm talking about immersing yourself in the
1: material. But that's what the story group's for. Isn't that what Martin Pablo Hidalgo, Dave Filoni, like all these people? Isn't that the problem
0: though? Is that like there was a story group for Marvel, but it was by Ike Perlmutter. Kevin Feige doesn't need that. He's in, he's intertwined in the material and he knows what is on the heartbeat of what needs to happen. Kathleen Kennedy depends on, okay, you know, I'm assuming she's, she's just kind of hearing pitches and going, yeah, I'll take that. That's why they're very different. But if you had to to tell me why one's more successful, I would say because Kevin Feige actually is involved in in love. I I think he's more – he knows the material better, meaning he knows what makes his characters tick. I don't think Kathleen Kennedy knows quite what makes Star Wars tick. And I think it's evident with The Last Jedi just letting them do what they want, to be quite honest. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's bad, no, it's fine, but I'm just saying she doesn't have she doesn't have the to me the passion
1: and the that I see. Yeah. Again, it's what I see. I'm not saying – it maybe it's there and I don't see it. I mean, look, you you know Sean Gerber and Mark Hughes and those guys. You can literally ask them. My impression is not I would, they she let Ryan do whatever he wanted, that she was on board with his vision for better or worse. That's the only thing I would disagree with. Again, it supports your point in some ways that you don't like her vision, but I don't think it was I'm going to let him do whatever he wants. I do think she hired him to be quirky and weird, and it just ended up being too quirky and too weird. Uh, that I agree with. But like the fact that she identified that the Han Solo movie was going off the rails, and they're probably going to, even if they make a billion point three or whatever on Han Solo, they might still lose money because they had to remake the whole movie. To me, the fact that she was willing to start that movie over just to not put something out that she considered trash... Is, is a high point for her regardless of, of the movie that they're trying to make it work. They spent so much on the Rogue One reshoots to me mostly look seamless and added to Rogue One. I was one of the people that was openly in like July of 2016 criticizing Disney for Rogue One reshoots and I ate total crow Man. when I saw that movie. I total fucking crow so and also Kathleen has been very vocal praising and and thanking people for liking Rogue One and supporting it because those are the movies she wants to do so let's look above her Bob Iger who runs all of Disney right so it's not always one person calling the shots there are people above her they're stockholders honestly man I know you and Kyle and, and Tim love to play Battlefront and stuff but like the electronics art stuff has been a disaster and Kathleen Kennedy has no control over that that's a Bob Iger executive board of director's issue but
0: that's not what i'm i criticize kathleen kennedy no no
1: no. i understand that i'm saying disney's making mistakes related to disney uh, um related to star wars other than kathleen that was my only point yeah that 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 that, that i would agree yeah 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 no 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 yeah I'm just saying, I can totally agree with you that she's making mistakes. I think maybe I'm just thinking she's making them from thinking she's doing what the fans want or whatever, what she should be doing versus not knowing what she's talking about. Because I feel like she does sound like she always knows what she's talking about. And Lucas was very public in handing it to her. So why then? She's a producer. Like, why was Lucas so public and like making it a Kathleen Kennedy handoff? If you think she's not immersed in the in the Lucas verse,
0: because she makes movies and he he wanted he knew the the future of Lucasfilm okay. was making movies.
1: Okay, all right. So, here we go. A couple questions and we'll, we'll we'll move towards the end here. Uh really appreciate your your thoughts. Um I love to have the the, the strong <laughs> view about the new movies because honestly, like most of the people I have on generally like the new movies, but that's just because the alternative has been people who are loud in the wrong ways let me say but i I see the flaws and i'm really glad when people come on and talk about them
0: yeah totally i mean i think star wars has flaws but i still i love them i love star wars franchise flaws and all Mm
1: -hmm. um but yeah i mean as i said um on one of the recent podcasts like if all the new uh, saga episodes went away like i'd be sad but I can't imagine a Star Wars world without Rogue One at this point. Like, totally. Rogue One would be the one that if it was removed from history forever, like it would actually harm my viewing of the original trilogy at this point. I don't know how you feel about that crazy thought.
0: I mean, I, yeah, I, would, I think it's a brilliant film. So yeah, I would be yeah. devastated.
1: Okay, so let me ask Paul Herman, the executive producer, to be at a Disney Lucasfilm film. Paul, uh, uh, Mr. Herman, what would you do to move things back in a Rogue One Episode 3 type direction at, at Lucasfilm now um, uh, for f- movies coming up? They can be general, they can be specific, it doesn't have to be anything crazy.
0: I w- I'd want to do a tales of the Jedi mm, um, mm-hmm. like film and see if you can do like a trilogy off that but you don't do it in a sense to where you you set up for a trilogy you set up for a, a one movie and if that's successful you keep building off of that but I think seeing early days not Jedi origins but early days of the Jedi sure. taking on dark side force users and you know just seeing the world at a different place you know or the universe at a different time frame would be really, really fun. I think it's eventually going to happen, but yeah, that's, that's what I'd be really steering for is, is getting those, those stories out there and, and, and getting, you know, more lightsabers out there that are, you know, again, that's, it's multiple force users get very spiritual, get good versus evil out there again, you know, and just, yeah, focus on that.
1: Mm. I wonder if that factor did, man. That's actually a new thought I had. I wonder if it was very liberating to Gareth, knowing he didn't have to deal that much with lightsabers and jedi other than let's be honest one of the best endings to any movie of all time darth yeah. Vader just I, murdering I, people with the, the lightsaber we've even seen but i think it was liberating the same way it was liberating to know where the story was going but we as the audience didn't know how to get there or, or how we were going to get there it seems like it might have been liberating and that it's yeah more, I, I yeah no go ahead Uh,
0: I I agree with you. I I I was going to say following
1: your thought about it's we all want more cool lightsaber and Jedi stuff. But if you're not George Lucas, it's very hard to implement. And even then you don't hit 10 out of 10. Right. So it's just hard. It's just hard. You know, it's like it's like, look, Marvel movies. uh, Yeah, they're comic book movies. We know the comic book movie genres. You know, Star Trek, it's science fiction. Star Wars, it's like science. It's a little bit of science fiction. It's a little fantasy. It's a little fairy tale. It's a little comic book. Right. I mean, it's so hard to get that formula yeah down um what do you think about the recent expansions Uh, i'm sure you're not thrilled about ryan johnson having a trilogy but we do know the game of thrones guys are coming on we know john favreau from marvel is coming on to do a series that sounds like it's pretty close to return to the jedi which i'm excited about in principle uh what do you think about the recent hires and sort of the the direction um where it seems to be going right now
0: well, personally, I, I think that I love where it's going, and I think even Ryan Johnson's trilogy will be interesting. Um, I, th- I think he'll do better at his own characters yes. and, and whatnot, but that being said, i am really excited for the Game of Thrones, guys. I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. I know you're not a fan of Game of Thrones, but... <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what, though? I love the act- actors across the board of Game of Thrones, and thrilled that they- we keep adding more to the Star Wars universe.
0: They're, they are, I'm telling you, those showrunners are going to do a great job yes. on a Star Wars film. Man. I They're agree. They're going to do great. Do great. Um, a huge John Favreau fan, obviously. So I'm really excited about what he's in. You know, he, it sounds like he pretty much had this idea before. Like he pitched them the idea of a Star Wars TV series. He had it already written or a bunch of, you know, a whole outline written before you know the years and years ago so this is really cool really excited um and i cannot wait to see what favreau does with it
1: yeah i mean iron man obviously his other stuff i thought jungle book was great i think the problem with the jungle book is the source material is not good like if you watch the any of the old jungle book movies or read the book it's like a bad story I thought what he did visually with Jungle Book was spectacular, so you triangulate that with his uh Marvel work and then his other his comedic work. I think that's brilliant, and I think Ryan Johnson is at most going to direct one of his films. I think he wants to get other directors. I think that's the right idea um and and he should do that i am hopeful though because i still liked a lot of the ray kylo luke stuff in in last jedi and the more mythical force talk i mean there was so much force talk let's be honest in last jedi for better or worse there was a ton of force talk um and so if he explores a sort of darker force stuff and the game of thrones guys are doing like i don't know do you think they're gonna do like old republic type stuff i mean just in feel not necessarily like the old republic but it seems like that would be a fit who knows yeah
0: who knows this point I've, I've guessed wrongly so many different times
1: <laughs> all right cool man all right so i'll just wind we'll on a few marvel questions and we will wrap up so um bigger surprise for how great it was black panther or avengers infinity war i'd say black panther hmm. that's a huge compliment why do you say that no. yeah well because i just
0: wasn't i mean i thought i thought black panther's trailers looked really weak and i was walked out being like that was amazing it was a great message. it was a great it was a great special effects, um, a, a great script, great acting. I, I, I'd say I'd take it back. The effects weren't the greatest but the, the characters were great. the acting was great. The, yeah. the writing was great. It was one of the stronger scripts I feel of the MCU. Um, it was beautifully done.
1: Okay. Can I ask you, I, I, this will be my last big question black Black Panther, because I have lived in Africa, worked in Africa, worked with African musicians, have been involved in Africa in various ways for almost 20 years now. And so I was so curious how it was going to be received, not as just a movie, but like the specific sort of Pan-African portrayal of all these different cultures through Wakanda in the movie so just as a watcher man who but who someone who is very familiar with the source material from the comics but just as a watcher of the movie like did it come off as feeling like africa even though it was different or did it come off as like feeling like too many cultures pushed together or like what was the feeling as someone who knows the comics well You know, obviously, knows Mm -hmm. Africa is a thing, but I I mean, I don't know. Maybe you have spent time there before. I have Um, not. I'm I'm just always curious asking people who watch these movies, who love them, who know about them, like what what the impression of the sort of African vibe was.
0: I I felt that it was. It seemed it was like a a technology driven Africa that was you know uh, or a a technology driven African culture. Um, Again, I never just judging from what they they gave me it was a good hybrid of, of both together it was really interesting so it felt like very futuristic but yet very modern it was it was a to me it was a perfect representation of what what Kondo was supposed to be
1: yeah i mean i think one of the things for me also regardless of being black parent there in africa is After seeing how overly colorful Doctor Strange and Guardians 2 were, but then how dark the DCEU movies are, like Black Panther struck this beautiful middle ground for me of like it was gritty and and earth earthy and realistic, but also very colorful at this you know, like it meant I I don't know if that was something particular you noticed. And actually I thought Avengers did it well too, with like Avengers Infinity War should have been a thousand times over the top more colorful than Guardians, and it wasn't because the Russos were restrained on it, right? And the planets were craggy and dark and, and metallic as opposed to, you know, like an acid trip or whatever. I really appreciate about those two movies. So where, where are you at with terms of the aesthetics of, of the MCU at this point?
0: I don't know. I think they're they're hit and miss sometimes. So it's – but when you have 18 movies, it's like you're going to have some clunkers here and there, right? Like from certain aesthetics. So, you know, it's impossible to list them all right now. But, you know, I think for the most part they're hit more than miss though. Hmm.
1: Hmm. All right, dude. Well, um, let's go out on some predictions here, really quickly. Uh, predictions for Avengers Four. Give us one that you actually think is in play that a lot of people aren't talking about. Spoiler alert, guys. What's something you'd want to see, even if it's not gonna happen?
0: I would love for Thanos to bring in like a bunch of villains and have them fight the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Like oh. Red Skull, Loki, Abomination. Like bring him out because his children are gone. What do you think be, of like, Red Skull?
1: I loved it. Yeah.
0: It amazing. I
1: definitely thought about you guys when I saw that. Um, I wanted to ask you, though, man, because I think, again, you guys brought this up on your show a couple of years ago. I really thought that Hella was going to be death. And one of my big disappointments with Ragnarok was not just that Hella wasn't going to be a much bigger character, but just the... She went from being like evil Galadriel, Kate Blanchett from uh, Fellowship of the Ring, to just completely hapless, like even more hapless than Loki. I thought Kate Blanchett was wasted. I was hoping Thanos wasn't going to be the big baddie, but it seems like he is.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, Sean called that. I didn't see it, but you know it would have worked. It would have totally worked. It was, to be honest, it would have worked, but it was it was better without her. To be honest.
1: Yeah, no, it, it ended up working. Out. I didn't mean that, like in like the, the literal sense, but that maybe Thanos had a master or a, a obsession of some sort, you know, and maybe that'll still no, be no, the case. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah, never know. It could be. She could still show up in Avengers 4. We don't know. Mm-hmm alright man well I really appreciate you being here this was, this was great to talk about these this stuff sure, especially man. the Star Wars though because again uh, you know I got into listening to your podcast before episode 7 was was even filming and then you know I shifted so much really rediscovered my love for Star Wars and to be honest with you I probably let some of these directors and producers get away with stuff because it's Star Wars I'm, I'm perfectly aware that that's happening and I think everyone just needs to be aware of where their opinions are coming from and then we won't have to fight over stupid stuff you know so yeah, exactly yeah so um uh, we're gonna promote your various uh, social media and websites and stuff um but i just want to ask you very generally this does not have to be marvel or um or star wars but it could but in the next few years what movie or movie franchise are you most excited about it could be a specific movie it could be a franchise a series of movies something you've heard about it could be anything glass glass okay the, uh, it's
0: the Unbreakable and Split <gasps> movie that it's going to be the, the, third, the third movie of that. Glass is going to be incredible. Unbreakable is one of my favorite movies ever. And Split was great. And I cannot wait to see this, the third film, Unbreakable, or the third film, which is will be Glass. That's a sequel to Unbreakable and, and Split.
1: Is it going to have like Sammy J and
0: McAvoy yep. and everybody? I think I think Sammy J Sammy J is the main character actually. Oh my God!
1: By the way, if for nothing else with with Captain Miss Marvel, as I call it, with Captain Marvel. I'm pumped for some more Kobe Smolders and Sammy Jackson. That's for sure. Fair um, enough, yeah, yeah. Really? But glass, uh, there you go, guys. 2019 release date January twenty oh, January 18th, 2019. So it's actually fairly soon. Um, mm-hmm. that is a good one. So cool, man. Well, again, thank you so much for being on being yeah, honest. I know that wasn't going to be a problem, but definitely again, want to just thank you and, and, and your, your fellows and your colleagues over the years for all the work you've done because well, people you, are sir. listening, man. And it's like, you know, it, it's, it's now cool to be a nerd again, but as you and I know growing up when we did, it was not always cool to be a nerd. And definitely so, was not
0: always cool. Yeah. It's still not cool, but yeah. it's, it's more accepted.
1: Yeah yeah now it's cool in the ways that like good bad movies exist you know what i mean <laughs> like yes yeah yeah like Nicolas cage for example um so uh thank you sir so yeah so plug the what, what are like the main i mean you can plug as many as you want but like what are the main podcasts that you've been working on these days and then plug sites and yeah. stuff
0: well um, uh you find me on twitter at herman 22 with mm. two n's aka p thug um you can you can find me at Marvel Newscast uh that's the main Marvel uh, podcast I do with Sean Gerber. You can find me on uh, two I have two Star Wars podcasts, one for Dana Geek with uh, Megan and Saf. It's at Blaster Cannon Pod. Um so it's it's, it's Blaster Cannon with Cannons a, it's a C A N O N like the actual like, you
1: know. Yeah like material. the new canon yeah. canon yeah
0: yeah not not actual canon mm-hmm. um so uh find us on there but we if you look for if you just type in star wars uh den of geek podcast we will come up but it's, we're called blaster canon and then i'm also just recently joined i was asked to join my good friends uh tim and kyle to join their
1: podcast the saga continues uh, one of my favorite star wars podcasts which t- to be fair it did not need, but now is gonna blast into a new stratosphere <laughs> <laughs> they They definitely didn't need me. They asked me on basically. That's, that's that's a compliment to them, obviously you know no, absolutely
0: yeah. they're great yeah. they their their podcast is so just earnest, and I have always loved that about them. Talk about Those
1: relaxing, have- like I can go through their four hour podcast like nobody's business,
0: yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I love that about them and the, and you know they added me on because we we've hung out so much on playing battlefront together and You know, and and just talking and hanging out online together and, you know, showing up every once in a while on their shows, you know, and and Kyle's being a little bit busier. You want to have someone, you know, to keep putting out shows, but also still. You know, have you know, still have people around. They just love having me around. I guess enough to where they really want to be on the show on a somewhat it's great somewhat regular basis. I'm not I'm not sure I'll be on every show, but I'm definitely a, an official member now, and it's an honor to be on the, their their podcast. And I love those guys to death. So yeah, the saga continues. Check check that out. Listen to all the old shows are great yeah totally
1: yeah i, I think that, that that's first of all congratulations and that's awesome um and you know when i first started doing podcasts for the first year year and a half i could do extended solo podcasts now i really can't i i mostly even when i do commentaries and stuff you know how it is once you start getting used to bouncing stuff off other people it's hard to do solo ones and so you know like making sure that they always have at least two people there and three a bunch of the times like that that would be great um with you guys the challenge will be not to do seven hour podcasts every week but hey i would not be complaining yeah i hear you trust me it's hard cool man well thank you again mr herman uh big honor big pleasure go seahawks um and (laughs) (laughs) and, uh yeah man i mean may the force be with you maybe force be with the audience any last thoughts or feelings for the bizzlecast audience
0: uh, thanks for having me jesse man it's an honor to be on thank you so much and uh thanks to everyone for uh, putting up with me
1: all right guys well hope you enjoyed that little treat uh thanks again to paul thank you all for listening um and you can check us out at all the links above um and we will be back at you soon but for now the Bizzlecast is out